Your son, he's gone. He was weak and foolish, like his father. So I destroyed him. The roses have faded, there's frost at my door. The birds in the morning don't sing anymore. Hello and welcome to the Weak and Foolish Movie Podcast. My name is Mike Tang and with me are my fellow podcasters, Job Ang. Hello. Paul Shu. Hello. Albert Liu. Hello, everyone. Joining us is our recurring TV junkie, Mrs. Hannah Lee Sang. Welcome back, Hannah. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for having me again. In this episode, we're going to be talking about season one, episodes six to nine of the HBO video game adaptation, The Last of Us. Uh, all the dudes on this podcast have played The Last of Us video games. We're all pretty big fans. Our guest, Hannah, has not played the games and is experiencing The Last of Us for the first time. All right. So the, to save time in our discussion, we're only going to be hearing from Hannah for our non-spoiler section. Uh, so Hannah... Um, now that the show and the story for the first game is finished, it's complete, you now know the whole thing, just give us your overall non-spoiler thoughts on The Last of Us. Couple things. Um, I think as we talk through, like, the last, what is it, four episodes? The second half of, yeah, the season, maybe my opinions will change. But I actually think the first half was better than the second half. Oh, interesting. Yeah, potentially. But again, this could change during our discussion. Um, that's kind of how I felt that a lot of it is kind of around like the pacing and kind of like the odd narratives that started to kind of pop up as like the episodes went on. And then second, um, I'm not exactly sure if I'm okay with how season one ended. Mm, okay. Yeah. So I would definitely, definitely want to have a discussion around that. Yeah. I, I actually, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was how you felt about the pacing of the show. Like, did you think this first season could have been just expanded to more episodes or maybe expanded to an additional season? Yeah, I think potentially it could have because I feel like every time they introduced like a new character, they were kind of irrelevant in the next episode, right? Or there wasn't much like building upon multiple like character storylines. You know, it was definitely kind of like the focal point was obviously Joel and Ellie. So I think that was fine, but it would have been nice to kind of see character development for other characters potentially. Um, And if they had more episodes, I think that could have been done. So that was kind of like unfortunate, I think. Um, But also, there wasn't as much zombie stuff as I thought there would be. Yeah, so that's very interesting. I mean, maybe in the game, it's completely different. But at least in the show, did feel like, and again, this might be just kind of what they intended, is that there could potentially be scarier things out there, you know, post-apocalyptic scarier than zombies right and kind of going through like what joel and ellie um are dealing with and experiencing as they go on their journey so yeah i don't know um 
I think there is there was potential to have like better storytelling, but I also kind of wonder if it would have flourished more, at least in my mind, if episodes had come out like multiple episodes at a time versus like one a week. Yeah. And I think that kind of has to do with pacing too, because to be honest, there were some episodes where I felt like it wasn't very great, you know, or I just didn't feel like there was like a point to it. So if they had done like, you know, release like two or three episodes a week, maybe it would have been a little bit different. But again, there's only nine episodes total. So I totally understand. But yeah, initial thoughts. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited to talk more specifics. I want to know which episodes you actually thought were weak. So we're going to move on to the spoiler discussion now. Uh, to those listening, now that The Last of Us has completed its first season, we're going to divulge all the details about the first game only. All right. We will not talk about The Last of Us Part Two, the game. All right. So we're not going to talk about any details about what happens after this story. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, dive into the spoilers starting now. No, no, you're still holding on. Let go. All right. So we're going to start with episode six titled Kin. This is where Joel and Ellie, they find Tommy in Jackson, Wyoming. And the first part is Joel and Ellie, they travel together. This is three months after. Henry and Sam, uh, you know, have have died of their encounter with them in Kansas City. And now they're in this uh, snowy area in Wyoming. Uh, I think right off the bat, I thought what was cool was uh, seeing Joel's map interrogation technique. We only saw him use it once in the game. And then here he's he's, uh, you know, he's asking two different uh, people. Uh, the location of uh, of where they could possibly find, I think, Tommy, right? And so he's trying to get them to match their stories uh, by pointing to the same place on the map. I thought that was cool that we get to see him use it in a nonviolent way. Uh, any, any any thoughts on this whole sequence? I mean, we also have Joel, Joel and Ellie uh, by the campfire as well. I thought it was great. I mean, how, that the torture sequence, if they have left that out, I would have been really ticked off. As just someone who found that, you know, adds to this sense that Joel's a dangerous character, even if he has sort of softened up. He's still a killer. And that's something that the game really honed on pretty well. And uh, I'm glad that uh, that, I mean, I think I went back and looked at the cutscenes. It's pretty much almost the same thing. I think it's actually probably more gruesome in the TV version. Because I think in the game, they, he gets stabbed sort of in the thigh or, or in the lower thigh, but over here it's in the kneecap, like right on it. So I think in the game, he gets that he stabs him in the knee also. He says he'll, he'll pop off his knee. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know if it was as gruesome, especially with, the, I don't know if he like did that extra turn on the kneecap in quite the same way. But mm. yeah. I think it's definitely more visceral when we're seeing it in live action, right? Like, I, I definitely felt the same reaction. It was like a lot more intense, I suppose. So I agree with Albert there. Yeah, we are getting ahead of ourselves. That is like a, a later episode in episode eight. Um, but uh, going back to Joel and Ellie's travels, uh, you know, they have that campfire moment, which I. I kind of I could have had an entire episode of them just hanging out and talking to each other. Uh, I think that would have been really nice. But you know, you see both characters opening up 
way more. Joel starts talking about what he might do after all this is over, after they get to the fireflies and uh, they talk about life after. And I think that's, you know, it kind of shows how far this relationship has gone from, you know, from Boston, you know, where they don't want to have anything to do with each other. Okay, viewers, apology time. I thought Mike was talking about a later scene, but you're right. It's totally in that. He, he does do sort of a nonviolent version of the uh, uh, of, of the map trick yeah. in that episode. And it, probably the most interesting thing was seeing the introduction of two new characters uh, that we've never seen in that uh, that uh, in the game, but also sort of interesting to see them because. I don't think we've seen a couple sort of out on their own, uh, you know, surviving the, the 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 pandemic and and just sort of just chilling and you know having even the sense of humor about everything. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I thought it was like pretty intentional and obvious why they placed that scene there, coming right off of um, the Henry and Sam episode right which was like deeply emotional and complicated and just like gut-wrenching so I thought it was like a pretty good segue into the next episode I actually like really enjoyed that so I would imagine if I had watched those episodes back to back you know it would have been kind of like a good break between like all the drama basically it was nice that they got to live we are introduced to new characters and they didn't die it's a breath of fresh air, right? Yeah, except the Ellie Jacks like one of their one of the things. She just takes it. <laughs> oh, one uh, of the like rabbits or something, right? Yeah, yeah. She just like takes oh, yeah. like hanging there by the door, and then on their yeah. way out, she just takes it. Like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna. This is mine now. And then they die of starvation off screen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of like a humorous scene, uh, like an old married couple. They've been around with each other for a long time in isolation and yeah they just their sense of humor is still intact um that scene where they encounter uh people from people of jackson you know on horseback and then they use the dog to kind of sniff out whether they are infected that was a pretty dang intense scene yeah i really like that scene those not in the game um and i think they hit all the like, dramatic notes that they needed to do um, especially because that whole encounter is quite different in the game. Like there's an area that they don't even visit, uh, in the show and they substitute it for an area in the second game. So I think it, it's understandable why they made the changes that they made, but I think the way that they did it, it was, it was great. Yeah, I, I, I too was a little thrown off by that because in the in the video game, the dam that's lurking nearby is a whole level, um, and uh, it's a fun one too. So, yeah. uh, but I, I, I honestly didn't mind the change at this point. I mean, I, I think we've talked about it in the first part. It, the, the show it seems to be more interesting, at least to me, that when it, it's not so focused on trying to recreate the big action scenes as much. Uh, and, and sort of focusing more on on character development and narrative. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and then we get to um, so we get to Jackson, Wyoming, 
Um, what, are you, what were all of your impressions of Jackson? In the video game, we never got to see it until the second game. So it was kind of surprising seeing it fully realized here. Yeah, I saw the power plant and I thought, oh, here we go. Like, we're going to mm-hmm. spend some time there. And I got this like this like tinge of nostalgia for that level because it was it, it was a, a lot of fun. But I actually felt like it was even more rewarding and meaningful storytelling wise to show Jackson and all its realization, because I think it shows like the possibility in this world that like life can go on and. I think it sows a seed for later on in the mind of Joel, like where, I mean, we won't talk about it for now because I think it'll connect to the very end, but um, I, I really liked it. And the possible Easter egg we saw too, mm. if you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah. So I think so. Leo, Leo points at the screen moment. Yes. <laughs> I, I literally pointed at the screen. <laughs> So for for people like Hannah who don't know what we're talking about, uh, there's a scene where Joel and Ellie are eating their first meal at Jackson and Ellie's like scarfing out her food and she notices there's a girl hiding behind a pillar looking at Ellie and then Ellie kind of barks at her and then that girl kind of walks away. Uh, That is really brief moment that you probably wouldn't think anything of that character, but uh, she is a character from The Last of Us 2 named uh, Dina. Uh, so a nice little Easter egg. Mm. Yeah, I thought I, it was obvious, even though I have not played the second game, oh, dang. that there was like a connection. Mm-hmm. But it just could be because I watch a lot of TV. Mm. <laughs> so everything you, 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 everything you counts. Yeah, we get visual cues. You're like that. That can't be for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, film studies. <laughs> right. How we do in discussion, okay. right? All, all the okay. French avant-garde movies we watch <laughs> right. kicking in now. I mean, so obvious. Just just for some added context, uh, Albert and Hannah both have master's degrees in film studies. <laughs> From prestigious uh, university, UC yeah. Irvine. <laughs> yes. And and by master degree, I mean, oh, I mean, well, you guys have an undergraduate degree in it, right? Yes. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, now, masters. I, I get, I get Hannah's expression right there. <laughs> By the way, I was not throwing shade at UC Irvine. That's my alma mater, also. So I think it's a fantastic school. Yeah, watching I think Mike our, loves uh, it the most. <laughs> yeah, watching our uh, film professors get picked off by like schools like USC and stuff—that was great. Oh heck <laughs> so. yeah! Well, that just means that you know they were leading a, a robust program. That's true. Yeah. yeah, a program we are all a part of, and now we're now experts in film and TV. Hundred percent. So I I kind of saw their portrayal of Jackson. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of looking at it as like, okay, so we've seen the Boston QZ, we've seen the Kansas City QZ rebellion led by Kathleen, and they've all failed in some in some sense, right? Boston was kind of like a dystopian authoritarian like governing government uh kansas city was just straight up like you know they were taking advantage of the people they were exploiting them they were uh, clear oppression and the rebellion itself you know is chaos and then we have later on in episode eight there is a, a theocracy led by a white man and all those communities that we see in this show uh, have failed in some way 
And then here in this community in Jackson is a community that thrives. It works and it's led by a black woman. Uh, so I thought that mm. I, thought, I just thought it was a little bit on the nose, a little bit. I kind of rolled my eyes. Oh, yeah. All the white people are bad. Uh, you need people of color and women to lead. I, I don't know if that's what the show was saying, but, you know, it just kind of is in line with the times. And I, it felt a little bit like a little bit political and uh, you know agenda driven. So I kind of wish they left that a little bit out of it. I mean, they, there's even a line where Maria says, oh, oh yeah, we're communist. You know, yeah. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I, 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 I kind of groan. If you listen to the podcast, I mean, Craig Mazin really kind of makes no secret of his thoughts about how he thinks theocracies are. And, 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 uh, but he makes some joke, I think, about how he thinks, you know, communism or socialism might work in small bites, like in, in maybe a smaller form, but, yeah, he 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 didn't shy away from from uh, uh, oh, I think all that. I think obviously that was definitely uh, intentional uh, based on how he constructed the series. Yeah, I think I just think for a show like uh, it's called The Last of Us, right? Uh, I I think the point was like humanity. There's so much corruption in humanity, and it's, there's so much depravity in humanity, and the last of us really you know it, it shows like the worst side of humanity so i guess i guess it is this community little small community shows that there is some hope that we can maybe pull through this as as people as humans but i i just didn't i don't know i i guess the the usage of that word communist and we're communes and you know you know and uh yeah i guess it just didn't sit right i i've i've the podcast that Albert is referring to is uh, the Last of Us podcast, the official one um, that's that's released after every episode. So Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann, the showrunners, uh, they kind of talk through their decisions uh, for for you know the creative decisions for the show. Um, I don't. Know, what did you call it, guys? What did what did everyone else think of that? Uh, were you okay with it, or did you kind of feel like you know? Did you also roll your eyes? But yeah, I'll go first. I mean, it's kind of, I, I don't want to give away too much, but it almost felt like they wanted you to see more of Jackson this time. I don't know what their long-term plans are for the series, but it feels like they wanted you to see more of it this time so they can establish it now instead of doing it later. Uh, it's remarkable. I mean, as a set, I mean, um, I'll be frank. I, I don't think any of, you know, what you had said bothered me because I think this game in a way kind of, you know, already had portrayed uh, this town as a bit of a, the most idealistic place to be during this time. But um, I, I have to say I was uh, very, very impressed with the production design. <laughs> oh yeah and how they they, they were uh, they managed to sort of make you feel in a very short amount of time that this was a pretty well-planned community mm -hmm. i feel like it serves uh a, i agree by the way yeah what great points albert um i think that seeing jackson like this and seeing something that can work i think serves uh, the character of jewel really well in this um and the motivation, which is that he wants to um, 
to leave Ellie with Tommy. And like, this is like a great way to show like that it could have been possible for him to just end the journey there and, and leave her behind with Tommy and she's going to be okay in, in, in the good or like have, have them take over in the journey to take her to the fireflies. Um, and I, I feel like seeing a functioning society like this um, kind of accentuates Joel feeling like it, I couldn't I couldn't even live up to how effective these people would be. Um, yeah, I think like it was a, a little on the nose, the whole like commune language. But um, I think they were really trying to show like that, hey, this actually can work and it, it kind of fuels Joel's um, conflict later on in the episode. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I agree with you too, Mike. Um, I, I think when, when they say that the, they're like communists, that was like the one line where I was like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. You know, it just, it, it did feel like it was really like shoehorned in. Um, and for those who haven't played the game, like Maria is white in, in the game. So, I, I wonder if that went into, if, if there is a context for that, because like you were saying, Mike, like the only functioning society in this world that we've seen so far has been run by a black woman. And I don't know if, you know, that was their intention to like, oh, we have to cast a black woman for this or something. I don't think it was because I think, you know, as for everyone else in the show, they cast based on like who they thought was the best person. So I think that just happened to align. Uh, but yeah, in the sh- in the game, I mean, I guess it is. It's it's a bit more subtle. I mean, they don't, I don't think they really draw any attention to the fact that like, oh, like we're the best because we're because Maria runs this place. It's just that's just how it is. But yeah, I think drawing attention to it, it, it didn't really bother me only because uh, I, I feel like I've seen enough shows where they do push that message a bit more where this one didn't bother me as much. So I guess just just because I've seen a lot, but um, but I mean, kind of going off of what Albert was saying, like I think I do take advantage of or take for granted the fact that the the sets look so good. I mean, it just straight up looks like it's from Last of Us Part Two. Like when they're walking around Jackson, I was like, man, like it's so good, and it's not most of it isn't CG. Like they practically created, especially that city, right? They that's just like built from the ground up. So I thought that was just, I mean, I, I wonder how much time it took, how much money from their budget, but it looked exactly the same. So I thought that was great. Um, and definitely, yeah, I think they're setting up for, it, it was definitely like intentional to introduce that, you know, when it wasn't introduced in the first game and just giving you an idea of like what's to come in the second season. Um, but yeah, I think overall, like I wasn't too bothered by that one scene it but that one line did did feel kind of like what the heck was that for so i felt like they led into it like pretty well though because i think they said like i think she mentioned that it's like a democratically elected like council or something Mm. like everyone pitches in and shares like i don't i didn't as a casual viewer like someone that hasn't played the game like i didn't really like get that vibe that they were really trying to push that and let's be fair like even like the definition of communism like there's it's kind of like a white there could potentially be like a white spectrum of what people expect or think that it's like right so yeah i think 
yeah, I think in a, like a post-apocalyptic world where you have like raiders and, you know, like just like people that are stealing from other people, everyone out to get each other and kill each other, like living in like this commune basically where like everyone cares about everyone else's welfare. Like I can imagine how that would be delightful, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. To, like people that come upon the civilization. It definitely brought me back to my my old high school debate days when we were, you know, sometimes you were often chose to like uh, defend uh, positions that you didn't necessarily agree with, but it's debate. So that's the whole point. But <laughs> I remember one of my, our favorite arguments, our, our, our uh, debate uh, coach taught us to do was like, what would happen? We got into an argument where we start arguing about the value of money in an apocalyptic setting. It was like, well, just use the barter argument. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> but does that work? And the whole debate would be about whether it work or not. But it was kind of interesting to, to uh, see that happen in, in this sort of town in Jackson. And I, I have to say, I also do have a little bit of bias about whether a place like that uh, can work just because one of my favorite photographers to follow, a guy named Jimmy Chin lives in Jackson and based on all this video that I've seen of him interacting with his neighbors I was like oh it's like a little town where everybody likes each other that's that's interesting so uh, I guess maybe that sort of factored into uh, the believability aspect of it for me yeah I think at the end of the day it's just about survival and like what Hannah was saying like they're just looking out for each other and they're not yeah. talking about like the the economical like like oh innovation is is fueled by capitalism type stuff because they don't have time to worry about those kinds of things they got raiders and clickers to worry about so yeah i i think i think for a show that clearly does try to push a message um i think they do it like pretty subtly and i yeah, i think it's about as good as you can get honestly yeah i don't want to take away from just how like this community was portrayed in in the show. Obviously, the production value is just stunning, and the, the town they found is just perfectly captures what we saw uh, in the game. Uh, so I, I yeah, I, I completely agree with you all. I just think, uh, and it, it didn't bother me too much. It didn't take away from the episode. I still thought this was a very strong episode, and this whole Jackson sequence was was really awesome. Uh, so I just wanted to bring that point up. Uh, just because uh, I did feel like it, it momentarily distracted me from it kind of took me out of uh, what was already like a really great world building moment uh, yeah. for the show. For sure. All right, let's move on and let's talk about uh, there's two sets of conversations that happen between uh, two different sets of characters. There's Joel and Tommy and then Ellie and Maria. Joel and Tommy, they have uh, two conversations, one in the bar and one in the shoe shop at night. And then Ellie and Maria have a conversation as Maria cuts Ellie's hair. Um, I want to talk about the Joel and Tommy conversation because uh, this version of Joel uh, shows far more emotion than he ever expressed in the game. And mm -hmm. it's an amazing performance from Pedro Pascal. It's probably Emmy worthy this is probably the highlight that they would probably take right to show on a clip when he's you know nominated but it, this does make joel look a lot less hardened uh, than i expected uh hannah i was wondering you know since you're you're new to this did you feel like this version or, or this scene with joel and how he was breaking down in front of tommy do you think this was consistent with how 
he was established uh, earlier this season. Well, let's backtrack to where he actually sees Tommy for the first time again. Mm. I mean, to me, him yelling Tommy was like, all of a sudden my eyes, I was like, I was like oh my gosh, I'm like crying from him <laughs> hearing him say his name. Because we <laughs> haven't seen Tommy since episode one, right? And then yeah. the entire time you're like, what happened to him? Is he alive? Oh my gosh. I was like, I felt my face getting hot. And like all of a sudden, all these like tears, I was like, what is happening? You know, so great setup. <laughs> great setup yeah. for the episode already there. And then um, I think it was, yeah, I mean, I think Mike, you bring up like a great point that like um, Joel obviously seemed like very much more emotional and less hardened than in the previous episodes. But I think how I felt was he and Tommy obviously have like a largely emotional connection, right? They're related. And not only that, like Tommy was there in the beginning or like when all of this happened and like Sarah was killed. Right. So I think how I felt was like, he doesn't really need to hide anything from him like if there's anyone in the world that he can be like fully transparent with like emotionally it was it's Tommy so I think like that was also a reason why I felt like I don't know like a huge sense of relief when he found him because it's like his one connection to whatever was left in the past right like yeah so I don't know that all of that like the relationship building and again Tommy has not been a developed character Right. Like we only see him in the beginning. We see him as like it's like a delinquent, like he is always bailing him out of trouble, things like that. It's like you only hear you only know like very small details about him. But I don't know if it's just like they're just both great actors, but yeah, they were I could already feel like the relationship that they had with each other was so strong. And I think they did such a good job with those like conversations that they had. Like I mean, it's been a while since I watched that episode, but I can already feel my face getting Dang, those feels. Yeah. <laughs> my previous exposure to... I've only seen Gabriel Luna and one other thing, and that was Terminator Dark Fate. Um, <laughs> so he, he really was one of the best things about that movie, by the way, but that's... that's yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know, man. That movie was not that great. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't like the it. movie. Okay, really actually. wasn't that great. I agree with that. Yeah. So when they announced that he was playing Tommy, I was like, oh, nah, I don't know about that. But then, yeah, he, I mean, this episode just blew me away. Like, I liked him already immediately in episode one. And then this one, when he's going off of Joel, like, it's just, uh, what a powerful, uh, yeah, really powerful scene from not just Pedro Pascal, but also uh, Gabriel Luna. Um. I, I guess for the rest of you who've played the game, do you like this version of Joel? Was it a little bit jarring to see him like break down crying? No, I, I think it was, it's a TV show and you have to make your characters feel more human. And I think it was a good moment of vulnerability um, that I, it's really weird. You don't know what you're missing until someone shows it to you. And I realized that that was an aspect that in this instance, I liked more than maybe the video game version of 
Joel, because you, it's, it's very apparent that his, his really, really struggling. And when you struggle, you're not stoic all the time. You're going to have moments where you're either by yourself or you're with someone you could trust. And that part comes out. And I think it sort of, you know, solidifies kind of where Joel might take this if he gets to be closer uh, with Ellie. And like you said earlier, too, absolutely riveting scene. Um, you know, uh, Pedro really, really just knocks the scene out of the park with, with his acting chops. I heard that uh, he would, uh, when it was the camera was on Gabriel Luna during his coverage, uh, Pedro Pascal was still like crying, breakdown crying to give that to Gabriel Luna to perform off of. And I thought like that's just like an, a great back, behind the scenes like trivia. Uh, that's like, oh, that's amazing. Hey, man, that's why he's daddy, dude. Uh. <laughs> he, is, he is daddy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really like the sequence too. And I don't think it was jarring from the game because, uh, you know, you, you spend a lot more time playing as Joel in a game. But when you're playing as Joel, it's not, the sequences aren't so that you can explore his inner monologue, see what he's feeling, like understand like what he's going through. It's to get from point A to point B and to kill infected. Like that's majority because it's a video game. Like, it, you know, that's that's a central conceit of what makes a video game exciting. You know, it has to be some sort of agency and like excitement and action, especially for this genre. So I, I never would have had like the expectation of be like, oh, like I want to know what he's feeling, you know, every single time. And I'm sure I know that's not what you're saying either, Mike. Um, so I, I think to come to this this part in his journey, I think it makes sense for him to to say what he says. Um, it is a little bit different from the game because in the game, he, he wants to essentially pawn off Ellie to Tommy because he's like, Oh, you're better equipped to, to take her to the fireflies. Uh, whereas here he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm getting weak. Like, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Um, so there is a, a big shift and it's really hard to talk about this without spoiling the second game, but I won't, I won't spoil the second game, but one of the biggest things that fans are divided on in the second game is kind of like the character of Joel or like his, his motivations. And I feel like the setup for what they're doing here in the first season is to kind of like make it a little bit more well-established. Like this is why Joel thinks the way that he does. Um, so that when the events of the second game unfold, people, I feel like this is their way of kind of like fronting the problem and being like, you know, this is how we're addressing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you guys said, I, I think, both of them were really good. I've never seen uh, Gabriel Luna in anything, so I, I thought he was great here. It was really nice seeing him again. And yeah, I just feel like that that scene was very much earned uh, in this episode. Yeah, I I won't add too much more to this uh, because everyone said really great points, but I do feel like the Joel of this uh, version or of this series is is a different kind of Joel. I think he was already really emotional like earlier on in in the series in the previous episodes and so I didn't feel like it was a as jarring because we've seen moments where he's he's a lot more connected to his emotions than the one in the game. I mean, 
his connection with Tess in this series was way more. Um, there was w- much more there than than in the game. In fact, in the game, I never got a sense that they were all that linked emotionally uh, or romantically even. But in this one, there was definitely a lot of care um, that was very evident. And maybe they they wrote it to um, Pedro in a way, maybe because he's such a good actor and so good at portraying emotions like this. Um, but I also think it was just a totally different approach. Um, so. And and I think Paul's right. It's to kind of link the uh, second part, Last of Us, to to this version a little more than um, the games did. So yeah, all all really good points. Yeah, you guys all make really good points. Um, <clears throat> all right, uh, let's talk about the Ellie and Maria scene. Uh, we get to see how Ellie learns about Sarah. This was not in the game either. And so uh, they have a conversation about who Sarah was. And we also see how much Ellie cares about Joel uh, to the point where she defends him against anyone who speaks against uh, Maria. Uh, Sorry, anyone who speaks against Joel. Uh, And she warns Ellie about the kind of man that Joel is and what what he, you know, what he did in the past. Uh, Even though Ellie doesn't know the specifics, she she still defends him. yeah. A- a- any thoughts on on this on this uh, scene? Yeah, I mean, I think it just goes to it speaks to the bond that they have. Um, and I mean, Neil and Craig have kind of talked about it uh, in their podcasts about how uh, there's kind of like a dual duality of Joel is like a, a missing link in in Joel's soul. Essentially, is to have someone to protect, and then Ellie's missing link is kind of to have someone protect her uh as we'll see in you know the next episode but uh i i thought it was i thought it was interesting i mean the i mean to be honest for me the the most uh like shocking thing from that whole conversation was when maria reveals that she's pregnant um and because that is i mean that's not like a i wouldn't say that's like a huge part of i mean certainly it wasn't a huge part of this season overall but She's not pregnant in the game, so uh, so that made me very curious as to like what they were gonna do with that storyline. I think it ups the stakes for you know the events of the second game, I guess, in some way. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. I did read, by the way, I didn't read the full article that, but they had sort of described that this second one might deviate probably more than the first one did. For, for the upcoming seasons or the second or third season. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I have more thoughts on like deviations, uh, but yeah, I'll save that for at the end when we kind of talk about the show holistically. Um, Joel and Ellie, there's a scene uh, where Joel com- basically talks to Ellie and then we have that scene almost verbatim as the game. All of us who have played it know it very well. Hannah, did your face get warm during this scene? I cried a lot during this episode, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think we need to do like a, like, we got to watch this show together somehow. Like, I need to see these reactions from you. (laughs) (laughs) I think I cried a lot. Um, I think for me, because I've never played the game, there were so many things that were kind of like unexpected. Like, I did not expect 
Joel to ask Tommy to take her. Like that did not even cross my mind. So the fact that in the game, he tries to like pawn her off to Tommy is like so weird to me because of all the episodes leading up to this episode, right? Because I think naturally you realize that they're like really building up this like this bond that, you know, Joel and Ellie are supposed to like have, right? So like him trying to pawn her off in the game is kind of like out of character to me in a way. Um, but I mean, I obviously didn't play the game, you know, so so in the in the show, when he tries to get Tommy to take her because he's getting old and, you know, he says all these, I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But I still, I was really surprised, I think, still because of like the promise he made Tess. Like he kept saying like, that's like one of the biggest like driving factors of like why he decided to like, you know, take Ellie all the way. And there's all these things. I was just like really, really shocked. But man, hats off to Bella Ramsey because that's really when I felt like, this girl is really good, you know. Um, they're just all very kind of like emotionally charged, emotionally driven actors. And I think at that point, I realized, okay, I know why they casted her, you know. Mm. And actually, the second half of this season was when I really kind of saw her full acting chops, you know. Like I was actually really, really impressed. She's so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just to speak to what you're saying a little bit. Um, I mean, yeah, I agree. And, and I think it, it is on brand for video game Joel to pawn her off. Like it does make sense in, in the game, but I think the change that they made for the, for the purposes of like the show, like changing that was definitely better. And I remember one of the things that I thought of after that scene, because they have that big argument. And then the next day he's like, okay, I'm going to give you the choice and you can come with me. And it's like, okay, yeah, we're, we're going together. And I, I just remember like, man, that they made up fast. Like that's nothing like the game. And then I thought yeah. about the game. I was like, wait, no, they make up even faster in the game. It's it's literally like one horse ride. And then they're right. like, all right, you know what? We're ride or die together, you know? And I was like, okay. Well, <laughs> I well, think- Paul, you, you just echoed my thoughts on that whole, like in the video game, it's yeah, it's a lot more abrupt than how the show does it. And, yeah, I, I I think probably this show also fixes another thing that I thought that was kind of rough was when I was playing the game. I remember I I still remember it having this thought is that wow he's not even gonna take a break in Jackson before like running off to to Salt Lake and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me like especially after after all the traveling you've done. But in the mm. show they were sort of able to at least have have that sort of uh, break. Mm-hmm. In the game, uh, he, uh, it's Joel who has a change of heart uh, because that co- conversation, I think, opens up something that uh, was previously, he tried to shut it off. And right. I think the moment she says uh, Sarah's name, that kind of did something to Joel uh, in the game version. Uh, so I, I think that's how I understand the game version. Uh, obviously, in this version, it's different. And you know, I think both are legitimate. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually accept both. I mean, I will never... I'll never speak bad on the holy game. Uh, <laughs> that is that is the last of us part one. Uh, but yeah, I, I, so I can see what, what you guys are saying. Uh, it, it does make a lot of sense for the show and how the show sets things up. Uh, so yeah. this version, I think it's, I, I kind of like in the, in the, the morning where he's like, I'm going to give you a choice. And then of course she's going to pick him. 
you know, I think he wants, he kind of already knows that, right? Yeah. Like he, they're going to have a hard time separating from each other because they deep down inside. I think what I love about the show and also about the game is how they write the characters, right? They never explicitly say uh, their feelings, how they feel about each other. They don't ever say, I love you or I care about you. Uh, They say it in all these other ways or in these moments. And that's what I appreciate about it. It's like, if we think about the Star Wars prequels, for example, you know, (laughs) bastions of screenwriting where, you know, Anakin and Padme, I just, for example, like the way they talk to each other, it's just like, you know, no one, (laughs) maybe except for my wife and I, that's how we talk to each other. But, you know, outside of this, I don't know anyone who, who you guys talk about sand, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I do actually, you know, when we have our camera equipment uh, at the beach, but uh, good point, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I I did think of star Wars when you were going off about that. uh, When I think, I'm the least educated about Star Wars here, but I do remember Padme saying something like, you're breaking my heart or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Famous, famous words. It's pretty goaded. I was riveted yep. during that scene. But okay, enough about Star Wars. <laughs> we always got to bring it up. I mean, I mean, the name of this podcast is, uh, you know, it's from Star Wars. All right, let's move on to uh, the University of Eastern Colorado, a fake university. But they get to the campus and, uh, you know, we have a little montage of Ellie just bombarding Joel with a bunch of questions about the world before the pandemic. And I just thought there were so many funny moments, you know, uh, something that wasn't in the game. They're talking about contractors and how contractors like, wow, they sound so cool. He's like, yeah, they were cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, hilarious. Uh, yeah. But then also like Ellie trying to understand football, which is from the game. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like a bizarre concept. Like, OK, so. You know, you advance the ball and then it resets or something. But yeah, so uh, some good moments. Um, we get to University of Eastern Colorado. And I personally was pretty disappointed that this sequence was so short. In the game, there was more of a buildup to them discovering the lab and the, that was abandoned. And you kind of discover clues on what happened. Uh, but they were infected there. Uh, there was like, you know, them trying to figure out what was going on. Hannah, d- since, you know, uh, you're new to this, did you feel this sequence was rushed or too short or did you feel like it was fine? So in the game, they were attacked by infected? Yeah, to like get through to a certain part of the cam- campus, they were infected there. So you have to like kind of oh. evade the infected. Got it, got it. Um, in the show... When they get there, it's already been like abandoned, right? Yeah, there's like nothing there. There's just like monkeys. Yeah, and then and your assumption is that there were either like raiders or whatnot. I think. Um, yeah, I was like pretty perplexed because yeah, there were monkeys, which was really random and weird. Um, and this is towards the end of the episode, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now that I'm, it's coming back to me. Yeah. I, I felt like it was pretty rushed. Um, I mean, we can talk about the ending too, I guess, but it was just like so many random things happening at once. And then even what happened at the end, like they obviously talk about it in like the future or the episodes after. Um, and we can talk about them, but I didn't like that. So yeah, I definitely think it was rushed. Um, it wasn't, great but it did end on kind of like that oh my gosh what happened 
uh, those of you who played the game, were you were you disappointed or did you feel like it was fine for this medium? I think so at this point in the game, like we've already encountered like six bloaters. Uh, the, you know, the, the big uh, sex icon from episode five. <laughs> um, um, so at this point, it, it, it is kind of like, man, like they're skipping a lot of the infected scenes. Um, and I get why, uh, you know, they want to be, I guess, economical with their time and also perhaps with their finances, because uh, I'm sure it's very difficult to kind of script that stuff in. But yeah, I mean, there, there was a part of me where I was like, like, I get it. I get why they would want to skip that stuff. But uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll touch up on this probably later near the end uh, when we wrap up. But yeah, th this, this was kind of like, it didn't bother me just yet. But I think down the line in the later episodes, I was like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> but I think in the context of this one, like, the most important thing is for them to find out that the fireflies aren't there. Um, I think the game does a slightly better job of explaining like why there's monkeys. <laughs> uh, um, I think they were like running tests and stuff on them. And then you can listen to like a couple audio logs where basically they're saying like the whole thing is like they failed essentially uh, and they're relocating to another place. But yeah, it, this was all like pretty quick. So um, I think that that stuff. Yeah. I mean, definitely, I think probably could have added a little bit more time on that part, but what's important for me is that they nailed the ending of that episode because he gets impaled in a different way. I get why they made that change too, because he, uh, he, in the game, he falls off a ledge and like gets impaled by the, uh, the, the, like the bar or whatever, the metal bar. Uh, and that would just be insane if that happened in the show. So I think the way that they did it and how it, how it naturally links to the next episode, I thought was was great. He kills only one guy from that group, and I'm like, "What? He just kills one guy in the game? They like they take take down like a dozen people." Yeah, and yeah. it was like Ellie actually pitches in and starts shooting them also, which is like her first time. Yeah, kind of using the gun and and you know because earlier in this mon in the montage of them going to the University of Colorado, we see them we see him teaching her how to snipe right so right. she is getting gun training from joel uh, i wish we kind of saw a little bit more and in the in the, the last of us podcast uh craig mazin and neil Druckmann they talk about how they don't want to they kind of avoid action from the game because it's kind of boring watching sequences replicated from the game in live action but i think action in movies and shows is exciting you know, and you could have easily made an exciting sequence out of this out of this part. Um, I, I, I feel like the, the show has gotten into a pattern where it shies away from action when it really doesn't need to. And maybe it's budgetary reasons. Maybe it's scripting issues because this is season one. Right. So maybe they have a tighter budget. Uh, I'm really hoping in uh, the second season we we get a lot more action than this. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I think. There could have been an easy, easily like five to ten minute action scene here, uh, but instead he, he's just one guy. But I will say this: they they use this moment of him just murdering one person uh, later on. So I think right. it does somewhat redeem the fact that there wasn't a lot of killing in action. Yeah, but I still wish 
they massacred people. <laughs> yeah. no, so that was that was like my biggest gripe, I think, about the second half of the season, because like everyone knows this is adapted from a video game. Like in the episodes to come that we're gonna discuss, like it's very obvious which scenes are from the video game. I at least I think, right? And I in my mind, I was like, I could totally see myself playing this character in the video game. And I thought they did it really well. And I I would like to hear later on if those are like very, very accurate, you know, to like those scenes in the game. But yeah, I just thought that those choices were really odd because there was, I don't want to say that there was too much of a lull, but I just felt like they're taking like, the beats are taking too long. I think that's kind of how I felt. And I mean, we're going to talk about um, episode seven and yeah, like that's why if I think about all the episodes that were in the second half, I don't think the pacing was great. Yeah. Let the record show that Hannah wanted more killing, <laughs> more gunplay, and more deaths. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a video game. You just expect th- that stuff, th- right? I, I think the records show that all of us want want that. Right? We're, all, we're all bloodthirsty here on this pod- weekend foolish podcast. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's let's maybe let's move on to episode seven then. Uh, le- episode seven is called Left Behind. It's based on the uh, Last of Us DLC of the same name, and this is where Ellie tries to take care of an injured Joel, and we have a flashback of Ellie uh, before she was even bitten, and she's uh, at the Fedra facility. Um, all right, so let's start just start in the beginning. Like uh, we 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 have a, an injured Joel in the basement uh, in an abandoned house, and she tries to nurse him back to health. And he's pretty vicious with her. He shoves her and tells her to go back to Tommy and Jackson. And I think in this version of Joel, I, I wasn't used to him seeing seeing him cry. Like he had he was shedding tears because uh, but I think it's fitting for this version because. I think his worst fears are realized. He's he's failed Ellie. He's he's you know he's gonna die and she's gonna be all alone and he can't protect her. And so I think her him shoving her away was uh was a pretty powerful, impactful moment. And just to add a little bit more context, because you said DLC earlier, Mike, for people who don't know, DLC stands for downloadable content. And that's usually like a like a bit of a extra chapter of a story that was not initially in the, you know, the initial game and they added it after like about a year and it was just like an extra side story. So, and the fact that they made this one whole episode because I talked to some other people too and they were like, this is my least favorite episode. Um, so I think it's it's very tricky to add this section into the overall show because it doesn't, it doesn't contribute to the overall story of Joel and Ellie so much, but I think it, it is important to, you know, show, like highlight the background of Ellie, like where she came from, what what's made her the way that she is today. And also, it I think it also just injected, you know, some much needed levity in the show because, I mean, they, they get to have fun. They get to be teenagers. So uh, I think it was a good break from uh, some of the other crazy stuff that's happening. Paul, those people that um, told you that they didn't like this episode, were they fans of the game or were they people that had never played the game before? 
Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, they didn't play the game. So the, their their complaint was kind of just like, like get to the good stuff, you know. Like I don't want to like have to go through this flashback scene or anything like that. So it, it yeah. was kind of like a pacing issue. Yeah. No, I mean, same. I obviously I never played the game. My sister was actually the one that told me that this was like an added on after. Um, but I didn't really have a huge problem with the content in the episode itself. I had a huge problem with the length of it. There were like so many, like, I don't want to say like dead beats, but that's kind of how it was. Like, I understand like they're trying to portray like their kids at a mall. Um, there's a merry-go-round, all that stuff, arcade, whatever. But I think it was just way too long. And um, again, I haven't obviously like seen this or played through this or whatnot, but I'd be curious like if like even the script, like, you know, like what they were saying to each other is, you know, accurate to the game um, or whatnot, because like, I just didn't think the writing was very great. Um, and I love that this actress, I forgot what her real name is, but um, Storm, Storm Reed. Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think she's great, but I just think that she wasn't utilized that well throughout the entire episode. So for me, really, it was like not just pacing, it was really the length. It was way too long. Probably might be interesting to note this was Neil Druckmann's script entirely for this episode so it it probably yeah and again mentioned something very interesting when you started uh talking about the series overall in the uh in the beginning of this podcast but i i i think i would yeah, i don't want to get too much into you know how i think about the whole thing but this episode was i love the story and i love the story with the dlc but there was a it was almost way too close to the dlc for it to be you know interesting in the sense that maybe something like episode three was interesting or 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 even some of the earlier episodes of the series that kind of got close to the game but sort of added something different uh uh made made it interesting and it was just kind of like I, I i think for me why i liked the episode i didn't love it because it was almost too close to the game So I'm gonna I'm gonna say something counter to what, what what has been said so far. I actually liked a lot of the added details uh, to the game. I mean, there there are things that they talk about that I don't think was covered in the DLC, which was uh, the debate between Fedra and the Fireflies. Right? Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? And you know, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann they've said constantly in podcasts. There are no villains in The Last of Us. Uh, everyone is a protagonist of their own story, and they believe what they're doing is right. And up until this point, all we've seen of Fedra is that they're authoritarian, they're oppressive, they're abusive in, in their power and how they rule the, the quarantine zones. I mean, the Boston QZ hangs people for trying to leave. Kansas City QZ went further, and the authorities were raping and killing its citizens. Um, but here, we see a version of the Boston QZ uh, where they're trying to train and raise future leaders, and Captain Kwong, uh, fellow fellow, uh, you know, Asian brother, uh, he he tells Ellie that she has what it takes, you know, to be a leader, and she just needs to follow the rules. Uh, whereas that that girl who punched her, who she, or she got in a fight with, right, uh, 
that girl is probably going to be cleaning sewers or something like that, uh, or you know, serv- service detail or something like that. So uh, I, I just thought it was interesting that you know, even though things in the QZ have been bad that we've seen, uh, there was hope within the QZ that the next generation would turn things around, and Quan kind of presents that hope to Ellie, and they make a pretty good point, right? Without Fedra, the QZ would would just be in complete chaos, right? And which was just what we saw in Kansas City, right? Without a governing body, things will just end up like in anarchy, anarchy, right? Um, these are actually themes that they will touch upon even further in The Last of Us 2. But uh, I just, I feel like the world building in this episode allowed me to better understand Fedra and the Fireflies. Because uh, in the game, I, they did not go into any, uh, like, as much detail as this. Uh, so I, yeah, I kind of... That's a good point, Mike. Yeah, I, I kind of appreciated it for that. One thing I also wanted to add, also, this episode was, you know, despite how I feel about it, like, it looks great. I love I loved the, the once again, production design. Brought me back to the 90s, seeing all those stores or early 2000s. And uh, it was just kind of like, wow, it almost was like, like you know, found a, a mall that was stuck in time, but they didn't. They just kind of did it all from scratch. And that was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was. they filmed that at a mall that was supposed to be like demolished, right? And then they just... Uh... They shot some some of the scenes in there. The mall was like supposed to be in real life. The mall was like a one story mall, and they're like, no, malls have to be two stories, and so they had to like build it or something like that. Um, but in the mall, uh, I think I thought there were some pretty funny moments uh, that I laughed out loud in uh, the electric. She Ellie calls the escalator electric stairs. Uh, that that got a laugh out of me. My favorite thing was Mortal Kombat 2. Um, I, I love that The Last of Us is on HBO, which is a Warner, part of Warner Brothers. So they have a license to use Mortal MK2. And uh, in the game, they actually play a made-up fighting game that is pretty much like a, a Mortal Kombat ripoff. Uh, but then in this one, it's great to see WB doing its thing, plugging their IP in, in other properties. All right. Any other thoughts on this mall sequence? I mean, I, I thought it was a cool overall, like just like the DLC, I thought it was a cool like origin story for for Ellie. And we find out a lot more about who this Riley person is, her best friend, and that they have this uh, emotional uh, connection to each other. I have a question. So I, I actually didn't play this uh, DLC in the video game. Um, does Take On Me play in the background in the no. game? No, no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The first awesome. time take on me happens is uh sometime later. Sometime <laughs> some years later. Um that's that's awesome. I, I think it was a great addition for reasons. So Yeah, I think um I, I, I totally understand like where everyone's like kinda has a couple of gripes with like the pacing on this issue. And yeah, like I can see that because there were moments where we wish we could have gotten something else. And it's, I mean, it's kind of like, well, you know, we all watched the Oscars yesterday. So it, you know, just to pull from that, it's like, instead of giving the, the time for people to finish their speeches, we had to watch them introduce the little mermaid trailer to us. And it's like, dude, like, come on, man, like make better use of your time. Right. 
So I think <laughs> you're never going to stop synergizing. Never. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, like I, I think the DLC as a, as a whole is great, but it's great because we got the, the meat and the bones of like everything in the, in the original, like first part of the game. So, you know, nothing was kind of left on the cutting room floor. Uh, but for this one, it's like, obviously we talked about it a little bit earlier, some action scenes that are actually quite pivotal to the story and also to Ellie's relationship with Joel. I mean, just to backtrack a little bit, uh, like when Joel gets impaled in the previous episode and Ellie's like shooting all these people and, you know, that part's like crazy because it's like, oh, she's helping you this time. And she says something like, oh, like when we get out of this, you better sing for me. And, you know, that's like a great line in the game. And obviously none of that happens in the show. Uh, so I, I do agree. Like there are parts where it's like, okay, like they probably could have taken out the section where, you know, uh, or I don't want to say take out like the merry-go-round section or anything. Cause you know, that part is nice. Um, but just like shorten some of that so that they could have spent more time on, on the other scenes. Like I, I, I can see why people weren't happy with that, but for me, I mean, I don't know. As a fan of the game, it's just it's just hard to be objective about this kind of stuff. So, well, what did that episode clock in at? It felt very, very long, very long. Yeah, um, I don't know. Was it's... it like over sixty minutes? I want to say it was. Yeah, I think that one was definitely a, a little bit longer. And I think, yeah, I, I also think part of the reason it's it's hard is because. You, you know at this moment while this episode is playing that Joel is like dying. <laughs> so a part of you just wants to like cut back to Joel and be like, is this man going to live? Um, so yeah. it's uh, yeah. it's 56 minutes. Oh, an hour. yeah. Okay. It felt pretty long. And I think the other thing that they, I don't know, personally, I felt that they could have done a better job with was um, with the clicker or infected or whatever thing that attacks them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, infected. Yeah, the infected. I think they showed him way too early. Mm. Because, and I would be curious, like, when, what the, um, the timestamp is on that versus, like, when they actually get, like, attacked. Because I think the fact that the episode itself felt long it made that from when they first show him to when they actually get attacked feel very very long like it was oh, almost to the yeah. point where i was like is this even gonna happen you know yeah. like because that's like the first like zombie like infected you've seen for a while right mm. since like the previous episode so um but i don't know mike are we gonna go on to like the rest of the episode because i have some other comments about yeah um any, i mean do you have any other comments about the, the mall sequence otherwise we can just move on to the ending of the episode which like uh, in present day oh wait is does the mall sequence include how they get infected or they get bit yeah right so that oh, okay yeah that was um actually pretty crazy so at that point i kind of felt like okay maybe this is the payoff right because you kind of find out like what happened with Ellie and and with um, Riley, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. But even then, I felt like oh, it's still too long. <laughs> so in in like that episode with um, what's it, Frank? Bill and Frank. Yeah, yeah, and Bill, where I was like, this feels so long. But then the payoff was, you know, so good at the end. 
this did not exactly feel like that, but I did feel like, okay, like we had to know kind of this story uh, to understand like Ellie better. And yeah, it just made me like really, really sad for her. And Uh, there's, and obviously we were always curious, like as where she got bit or like how she figured out that she was um, like immune. Right. So, yeah. I think, uh, I think that Bill and Frank episode as great as the writing and performances and like, you know, how uh, like affecting it was, I think that feels so out of place in the entirety of the season. Whereas this left behind episode at least is about Ellie and it gives us necessary backstory to, to how she got infected, who she first really cared about the Bill and Frank episode. Just, I don't know. It's just, I felt like it, it brought the narrative to a screeching halt and uh, we don't ever revisit those characters ever again. We don't talk about them again. Uh, so I, I don't know. Like I'm, I think I feel a little bit more strongly on how this episode might've been more necessary, even though maybe the, it could have been shorter or the pacing could have been better or maybe make the other episodes beefier, you know, expand on other episodes and arcs so that this one just doesn't feel like it's taking up a necessary space in the show. Yeah. That could have been spent, you know, doing other things. Essentially what we're asking for is every episode needs to be two and a half hours and there needs to be double the episode count. (laughs) Oh Yeah. Just give us more, man. I, I I could take an entire episode of Joel and Ellie sitting by a campfire, and then the whole episode is just them talking, like like before sunset, before sunrise. Like, just give us give us like the post apocalyptic version of that, but father daughter, obviously. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing like this kind of world building and you're like building sets from like ground up, like use them. You know, like I'm still in shock that this series was only nine episodes. Right. I mean, like, yeah, the episodes were the longest episode was what, like 90 minutes, close to 90 minutes or yeah. something. Yeah. The yeah. first episode. Yeah. It was first episode was 90 minutes. And then mm-hmm. after that, everyone was like, every other one was what, close to 60 mm-hmm. minutes. Was the finale 60 minutes also? No, oh. the finale is 43 minutes. The shortest okay, yeah. episode. See, that was very, very felt, you know, mm-hmm. that it was short. Cause I was going to say, I don't think that was 60 minutes. Yeah. yeah so like, I- how do you give Bill and Frank? 75 minutes but you give the finale 43 minutes you know yeah. i mean this is come come on man i think for bill and frank's episode it was more of a thematic build-up like uh for the for the overall uh narrative of the show because sure. yeah yeah i yeah. mean I, I i agree but it doesn't it doesn't have narrative significance you know you could have shown it another way or done yeah it. yeah I'm with you on that. Faster, yeah. I, I, I think it kind of comes down to well, how much are they going to change or not? I feel like the less they change, I don't know. Like the fast, that's ah, it's difficult. I, 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 I really do feel like I'm, I'm trying to, and I lost my train of thought. But it, it's just, if for me, I, I don't know. Being familiar with some of the beats of the game hurt my experience of, of watching this series at times i still think it's a really great series but it it, it may have messed with me in terms of like you know this is not how fast or slow i expected certain things to go and, but at the same time it's trying to be its itself so uh this is kind of i felt this more in the you know these episodes in the second part where it's kind of like okay i 
I'm, I'm blurring my expectations for how I, I saw the game to work with how this show is going. And uh, yeah, I, I would say like episodes like this kind of bugged me, bugged me a little in that regard. And also the, the next two, to be honest. So, Yeah, I wonder kind of if it would have benefited from rearranging the episodes a little bit. Like if they had put this one somewhere else versus like here. I mean, um, this is like an, you said it's like a DLC, right? So you don't necessarily have to have that scene in the beginning where Joel is like almost dying, right? I don't so know. You, you do actually, because oh, okay. in the DLC, like they link it mm -hmm. to the overall, the story in the first game when Ellie is dragging Joel on like a horse sled type thing mm -hmm. and like pulling him into the house. So that's, that's how it's linked. Um, oh, and then there's a flashback. Yeah, yeah. I see. Okay, yeah. well, maybe they could have done some like creating some like creative yeah, liberties I mean, and maybe put this somewhere else i don't know yeah i mean they already did take creative liberties with some other parts of the mm -hmm. yeah so I, I think it's totally valid all right i i just i just thought of something that solves this problem for hbo all right so i think all the executives should be listening to this podcast <laughs> here we go all right so the bill and frank episode and left behind you could have easily just taken these out of the show and expand, let fill in that time with actual things like Joel and Ellie stuff or like things with the actual story. Let the show finish, make the finale an hour and a half long. Uh, and then maybe five, six months later, boom, just drop on an HBO Max left behind. Just like the DLC, later on, we get this like story that's like not a part of the main story, but hey, it's like a DLC, it's like an additional chapter. Drop in Bill and Frank. But then let that expand on things that we saw in episode three, right? They go to Bill and Frank's house and right there, like, we don't know anything about Bill and Frank, right? But let that DLC kind of, or not, sorry, that uh, that episode, the standalone episode they, they release after the show, fill in the gaps, you know, so that it's not a part of the main show. It doesn't distract away, but it still is a part of the Last of Us experience. Perfect. That's you hear that, you, Mike. executives? Yeah. <laughs> I got, did I get the TV junkies approval? Copyright Mike Tang. <laughs> Hire this man. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I yeah, do I feel like. Been perfect. Oh yeah. Sorry. I, I was going to say, I do feel like the, those, these two um, episodes that you're talking about, um, if they were released kind of as standalones, it would have been great, but I do feel like uh, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann really loved these stories. And it was almost like these, they're, it, it's almost like they're passion projects within the game. They're they're making yeah. they're remaking the game. They're remaking the story, of course. But this, these were like the stories they really wanted to tell. And um, I guess this is just a case of like artists really wanting something to to be part of something, even if it is almost at the expense of the greater whole. Which I think we're all in agreement of. It kind of makes the pacing really strange. Um, but, you know, I, especially listening to the Last of Us podcast, they they are like so proud of these ones and, and for good reason. But but it does kind of make I, I remember like we talked about the um, the Frank and Bill one as like a great story, but not a great Last of Us episode almost. So it's kind of like The Last Jedi is a 
it's like we've talked about this before. Oh, here we go. Don't do this, Mike. Our scheduled, our scheduled last. It, it, uh, oh, go, go, you go. know, Last Jedi is a great standalone Star Wars story, but as a part of the Skywalker saga, it kind of feels, you know, out of place. All right, and and here, release it as a DLC. <laughs> I, I want to offer another perspective of this. I think you know, Episode Three was so good for me. Like I, I was kind of waiting to see if they could surprise us again with something like it that kind of expanded on part of of the game later on that i i felt like that moment never came so i feel like i'm i'm left hanging a little yeah That's... yeah I, I think at the end of the day it's it's really I, i'm completely with job like i think neil and craig just like they love those two stories a lot. And I, I think it's clear that they love it more than the general audience loves, uh, loves it. Uh, but I think it's one of those situations where they just really wanted to tell those stories um, probably more than the actual game. And it's up to us to just have to, you know, to live with that. But I mean, for me, it's like, I still thought both of the episodes, I mean, regardless, they, yeah, they could have searched some things, but yeah, I, I enjoyed what they did with it. Yeah, uh, I, neither of these episodes tank the show for me, but uh, yeah, I, I think maybe uh, one can wonder like if things could be reworked for the benefit of the entire show while still keeping those elements that they love so much. Um, just just before we wrap up on this episode, I just kind of want to mention at the end, uh, Ellie chooses to stay and help Joel despite him shoving her away. And I just love that shot of him, them holding hands. Like she just grabs his hands and to let him know that he, she's not going to leave him. And that was a very tender hearted moment. Uh, I, I teared up during that, 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 that little scene and how it's intercut with uh, her and Riley. It's like, Oh, she's found another person that she cares so much about that she loves. And yeah, just a really great moment. All right, let's move on to. Episode eight, this guy right here. All right, this this stud muffin. All right. Yes. This is uh this is where Ellie gets hunted by a group in a snowy town while Joel is still recuperating. All right. So we start with uh Ellie hunting for food and she meets David and James, who are part of a group of survivors living at a snow resort. And this is a religious group, which we haven't encountered yet in the show. In the game, this group was not religious. Um, I kind of want to comment on this or, or just ask you all uh, how you feel about it. Like, was it really necessary to show this group as being not just religious, but like being specifically Christian? Yeah. <laughs> like, and they're all white people, you know. Um, and going back to the episode in Jackson, you know, that is a, a you know, commune, you know, communist town that's that works and everything else is, you know, a complete disaster including this group right here i'm just wondering like why this group had to be religious at all <laughs> or at least you know why did yeah. it have to be a religion a real religion uh in the second game we encounter a religious group and it's a completely made up like religion yeah. so yeah. Uh, yeah i want to know your thoughts on this this is this is what i wanted to ask hannah <laughs> i wanted to ask hannah how many frames did it take for this show for her to realize that David was the bad guy, because <laughs> knowing knowing your knowledge of how Hollywood likes to treat Christians, especially white Christians, 
how, how many frames did it take of him reciting scripture where you're like, this guy's a bad guy? <laughs> no, I immediately, like when they were reciting and he was like leading them, I was like, pedophile. Immediately. <laughs> I said, and I was like, when are they going to reveal he's a pedophile? Like throughout the entire episode. Oh, wow. And you can ask my husband. I was watching. I was like, he's straight up a pedophile. And he's like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. And but it's not even because of my knowledge of Hollywood. Like I watch a lot of like true crime. Like a lot of the trash shows I watch like are like FBI, true crime, like those kind of shows. And every time they show like some sort of like religious sect or like, you know, something <laughs> with God or like Christian, it's always pedophile, cult, you know, like sacrificing humans, whatever. So I was like, okay, this is like a very common, again, like Hollywood trope kind of white man. Like, yeah. So uh, yeah, honestly, immediately I knew that this guy was yeah. going to be a bad guy and he was a pedophile. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Spot on. I didn't know he was a pedophile until he started taking off his pants. Uh <laughs> i'm just kidding but uh um yeah i don't know how did you all feel about i guess them bringing in christianity and religion into this group that wasn't religious in the game mm, i i i guess i'll just say a little bit i i think just from like a storytelling perspective and kind of like what i was telling hannah it's like you, yeah it you couldn't have been any more like overt with like your your message here uh because one of the pivotal moments uh in the game is when you find out that david is like the guy that like whose men you've been killing um and that's like a that's like a shock in the game but then the moment you see him reading scripture like this guy of course this guy's gonna have conflict with ellie you know and i feel like that sucked away like all the tension so i, I don't know how, how like joe but albert how you guys felt but <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, Job, go on. No, no, no. I want to hear what, you, what you're curious about. No, no, no. Uh, Job, go, go, and then I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll pose the question. Oh, uh, no, I was just kind of agreeing, like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it felt like such a cop-out and such lazy writing to, to bring in a religion that is unpopular in the greater culture currently. It is a very on the nose there's like white christian nationalism that's kind of front and center right now especially over the last few years um and and you know we were talking about how like the communism thing in that last episode was really overt and on the nose this is like even more on the nose and i felt like you couldn't have picked a more lazy avenue to expand and i'm doing like finger quotes expand on like the the world building of this group of people I, I don't know like it yeah it it kind of it's not even almost like i'm not offended almost by like the christian element of it i'm just more offended that it's like the laziest possible direction you could go yeah yeah i mean uh, it's yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so Albert, I am curious about your take because I so I mean, just for context, uh, all of us here are Christian, and Albert, you're not uh, a Christian. Uh, I was wondering, yeah, your your take on this, like, what what was what's your perspective? I I, I agree in this to a point that it is pretty lazy writing. I I 
I, I don't know if it bothered me that much because I'll be really frank. I'm, I'm not a Christian, so I don't, I don't, uh, you know, so I, I, there is something about that perspective that I get, but only to a point. Um, because I think, and I'm not trying to get personal here, but I, I kind of grew up being bullied a lot by, by Christians. I hate to say, because I was a Buddhist in a school that didn't have a lot of Asians at the time too. So that, that kind of compounded the the issue. So I, I've kind of, you know, I've seen sort of like the other side of it, but I don't think it's a specifically Christian thing. I think it is, I think whenever people are a majority in a community, that doesn't matter what the belief system is or non-belief system is uh, or political system is, there's gonna be, you know, a, an element of power that that majority has over people who are the minority, right? So this isn't really specifically about one thing in my mind. It's lazy to a point where, yes, I, I see what you guys are talking about regarding the, uh, you know, the white Christian guy, the bad guy trope, because it's it's been, yeah, I agree. It's been sort of overplayed a lot. Uh, it, it's kind of like, well, why couldn't they have, you know, done something else maybe it's less believable if they chosen their religion given where they are but um yeah there's plenty of cults out there too <laughs> that, that we can draw from and uh i think you know like i was going back to it craig mason did was pretty front and center about how he felt about theocracy and he really wanted to sort of make a point about it um but uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I felt about the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it like you, I think you mentioned it. You know, it, it does make sense with the region of America that they're in that uh, they would be Christian. Um, also, I mean, if this group was Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu, uh, it would be immediately labeled as culturally insensitive or like even racist and. I feel like you can't really depict any other religion in a bad light in Western films other than Christianity. And I think well, it kind I of mean, makes sense. To Sorry. your point, I think like if they were going to go that route, they should have made it a sort of more off, you know, more extreme version of Christianity because, you know, we do know those sort of societies do exist yeah, here in sure. the United States. And I, I think because there was nothing to, you know, they didn't really seem to define what made him use religion in a particular way that was more you know someone who's who's uh you know in charge of a uh goodness i'm thinking of an uh, incident that happened like 30 years ago but i can't remember the name right now but you know the compound the fbi rated and stuff like that but you know there there there's a very sort of specific perversion of 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 religion that has to occur for someone to sort of you know, have that much power over a small group of people. And I, I don't think probably the lazy part was they didn't really quite, you know, push things in, to that point mm -hmm. or yeah. define what that element could have been. Yeah, I really appreciate your thoughts, Albert. And and it there is there is definitely an element to like the, the power dynamic of religion and someone who like is a little more who can act a little more well-read and act a little more like 
that they know what they're talking about can certainly weaponize things. And yeah, in in human human nature, right? Like especially human humanity under duress, like we're seeing in this post-apocalyptic world, all of the tendencies would be even more heightened and even more exaggerated. And so. Perhaps in a way, I mean, you're you're changing my mind as we talk, which is great. Like, um, I think there is actually something really, like, profound and interesting about the way they've kind of approached this. You know, I think like I so I agree with um, Job in a sense where I think that this is pretty realistic. I think like this can totally happen. You know, in a post-apocalyptic society but i also think that what um was and i'm not again i'm not going to say like oh i feel like it was you know tired or it's been used many times um it has because like all the you know like the tv shows i watch they do use it but i do think they use it for a reason right because it, it is really out there like that's like kind of like the reality um but yeah, I think my question walking into this episode actually was, was this how it was in the game, you know? Um, and yeah, and I mean, and the fact that in the game, it wasn't like this, but in the writing, like the show, they decided to make it this way, you know, was obviously a choice mm-hmm. that they made, right? So I, I, I think that is very interesting. Um, maybe you could even say that it was like a risky move on their part because it could be pretty divisive but at the end of the day like when i was watching it honestly like i think because i knew he was like a pedophile from the beginning you know and like i like that's pretty good by the way in in the video (laughs) game it's actually in my opinion the video game it felt a little more obvious because the guy sounded a little more creepier whereas in this one start out that way yeah Yeah. like this (laughs) oh my gosh no he just you and she just didn't look like he could be trusted and then i was like they're definitely um eating human meat right now oh. you know like all of all of these things i was like it has to be like this show is almost ending there's gonna be like wild stuff going on and i, I was like it has to like tee up to these things so i didn't really i didn't really think of it uh think anything else after that because i was like i'm a, I'm a christian but i definitely don't align with this guy or this yeah. group so it didn't really bother me at all uh i i think I, I did see some articles or sorry, some comments about how people are saying like, they're, they're arguing for the sense that like David is not Christian. The, the fact that is that this episode is meant to highlight that he is a deeply manipulative person um, and that he uses, you know, whatever he can do to get his way. And obviously religion is one of those things. And I don't think anyone in this group is, you know, denying the fact that uh, Christianity along with many other religions uh, can have power structures that enable this kind of abuse. Uh, obviously our stances are different where whether or not we think these power structures that enable abuse are inherently bound to the religion itself. And, you know, of course that's, that's just another <laughs> debate of literally what we believe in. Uh, but I think like for the purposes of, of this show, yeah, like I, I just feel like you can establish that David is a manipulative person without having to uh, incorporate the whole religious thing. And for me, it's not even because it's like, oh, like I'm a Christian, so I, I'm I'm offended by you know leftist liberal media stuff. Like at the at the end of the day, like most of the people who are creating these kind this kind of content is liberal, and they're free to voice and 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 show like express their art. 
And I, I know for a fact that like, you know, for the most, most part, they're not going to portray Christians in a good light. I mean, I think my hangup, which is, I think what the rest of you guys have hangups with is just that the fact that you reveal him as like a religious guy from the very beginning sucks away all of the mystery and the tension. Like, of course, this guy's the bad guy, like from the get go, you know, he's the bad guy. Uh, and yeah, like just bringing back to my point, like in the game, you, you can kind of tell something's off with him. But like, even for me, like in the game, I, I was like, I didn't know he was a pedophile. I didn't know he was eating people, you know, stuff like that. Like you gradually kind of figure that out in the game. Uh, and a lot of that, you know, credit to Nolan North, uh, the voice actor of David, who's anyone who plays video games knows who he is because his voice is in like hundreds of video games. Um, like definitely his pedophilic nature is not as overt in the game. It just sounds, he just sounds really creepy. But in, in the show, I think he, she says something, or David says something when he's fighting Ellie in the end, something about like the fighting is the part that I enjoy most, right? Or something like that when he like, he's like pinning her down. And that part is like a deeply unsettling line of dialogue where it's like, freak, dude, this guy is like so much scarier. Yeah. And when he starts taking his pants off. <laughs> Uh, and the building is like burning around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You're uh, like, what are you doing? All right, that, that didn't that's happen in the game. That line Sorry, and, and him taking his pants off, that was not in the game. And I think seeing it in live action is so much more terrifying. I'm like, like just horrifying. Oh my gosh, I wasn't terrified. I thought he was an idiot. Like, I'm like, the building is burning around you. What are you doing? Like, oh, and okay. Well, I mean, I, I think we'll get to that, get to that scene. But there were a lot of things that were like really weird about that this episode in general, in terms of like the world building. So it's like I enjoyed the world building in the other episodes. This one was really bizarre, and maybe it was just because the whole town is really weird, and there's a lot of weird things going on. But yeah, it was really weird. I gotta say though, shout out to the guy who plays David. Because he literally does look like he could be my youth pastor. Like he, he he could literally, like his voice and the way that he looks, I'm like, all right, I can see you preaching on Sunday. <laughs> Dude, oh, halfway, for like half of the episode, I thought he was the guy from The Good Place. I don't know if you guys watched that <laughs> show, but no. there's like another white guy in there that looks exactly like him. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, really racist, but for the <laughs> longest time I thought it was him. That's funny. Albert, what were you going to say? No, it's kind of interesting. In the game, you could hear people in the background running away because there's obviously a community, but that wasn't too apparent <laughs> in this in this version, I thought. Okay, so that is my biggest hang-up with this episode. That's my biggest complaint. The fact that Joel doesn't... Like, okay, apart from that really brutal interrogation scene, which was like 10 out of 10, like, uh, like aligns with the game perfectly well. But after that, there's a whole section where Joel essentially goes on a rampage and like murders a bunch of people in the town to get to Ellie. And for me, my hang up was like, where did all of those people go when uh, when David decided to have a one on one prayer meeting session with Ellie? Like, did, did they all just be like, <laughs> oh, OK, like they're going to hang out. So we're all just going to like go to the lake or something like they all disappeared. <laughs> that was well, exactly I, the problem i had i was like aren't there other people living here yeah. like how is this building on fire and no one is coming to see <laughs> yeah. you know and that was the building that they were eating in previously yeah, exactly. right like they were yeah. in there yeah that was so bizarre well, something i i did wish that they would do was you know probably talk about maybe highlight 
I'm going to say that, but focus more on the people who were uh, in the town. And and you can tell even in the beginning right. of the episode, they're, they're starting to realize, you know, not not everything is right. And, and I, I think that probably would have, you know, back to your earlier points, sort of maybe not, not it, it would have differentiated him as not, you know, being a christian in the way that they are he's he's using it to like manipulate them uh but i it, you know I, I thought that was sort of a bone opportunity too because it would have it sort of robbed us of a chance to i mean i don't know what happened to that you know that lady and her daughter i felt like they were gonna sort of like pull on that thread just a tiny bit more but they didn't you know so i did like that moment though when he like slaps the daughter uh for demanding that uh, Joel gets justice or, or, or El, Joel and Ellie should both uh, die because of what happened to her father, which I thought was a really great link to uh, the, that uh, to episode six. Um, but, uh, but, and I, uh, so right when he slapped her, I'm like, okay, so this is a cult. This is not just like any normal Christian establishment. <laughs> so I, I was, I did appreciate that. I, like you said, Albert, I wish they kind of played it up even more about how like, uh, twisted this guy is and how this guy has uh, like all, this entire community as his pawns wait mike speaking of that scene where you find out that the people that attacked ellie and joel are from this town right like my assumption in episode six or whatnot was that they were raiders and they were you know trying to like kill them so they can take their stuff but in this episode they make it sound like um joel and ellie were the ones that were i forget but like there was a lot of confusion like my husband and i were discussing this during the episode and we we're like no they're the bad guys not joel and ellie you know what i mean because joel and ellie were trying to run away right so what is the deal here like what it just seemed like the people in the community were like severely misled about what the people going out were doing basically yeah i think the way I see it is they're they're looking for food because their community is starving and they see the horse at the university and they're they're just looking around. I think maybe Joel and Ellie interpreted them as being raiders. So there's that like, you know, standoff. So the, I, th I think maybe it was based on uh, misinterpretation uh, from Joel and Ellie and from from both sides, mm -hmm. which led to the death of uh, Alec, the guy's name. May he rest in peace. Yeah, in the in the context of the game, you kill a lot more of David's people at the university when you find out that all the fireflies are gone. So you're killing all of those people, and then that's why there's more of a reason for David to be like, like we want you guys dead, as opposed to like the one guy that they killed when they were trying to run away uh, in the show. So I think the game is is a little stronger here; it adds a little bit more context. Uh, Um, yeah, I just want to talk. We already mentioned Joel's map interrogation, but I cheered and clapped when we see the setup. <laughs> the guy tied up to the chair and then another guy tied up against the piano in the back. I'm like, yes, we're getting it. They, they gave it to us. I have a friend who loves The Last of Us and we text each other after every episode. And uh, we kept talking about how if they leave this scene out, this show sucks. And I was so <laughs> relieved that they left it in. It was like beat for beat, exactly the same, stabbing him in the knee, threatening him to pop off his knee with the knife. I'm like, oh, beautiful. Yeah. So good. 
So, and then, so- and then what Joel says, right? He's like, the guy's like, dude, I'm not going to tell you, man. And he's like, it's okay. I believe him. And he just kills the guy. It's so good. <laughs> it's just like, this is the Joel that has been hinted at when he tells Ellie that he has done bad things or when Maria even says that he's done bad things. You see, he has like a this look. Pedro Pascal has this look that we didn't see in the game, which was like he he kind of enjoys it, like the the violence of this. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I really really am glad that they did it justice. If only he had just killed a couple more people after that, I think it would have been. Well, yeah, yeah, good. you got to kill these cultists, man. Like, you can't. <laughs> yeah. Be, this was the scene like because they skipped that violence this was the scene where i was like i don't know if joel's gonna shoot up the hospital at the in the finale because i was like they are really skipping every single action beat in the show so i would it did make me a little scared um, I, I, have, I have yeah dude even even I, then man i have things to say about the hospital scene but yeah sorry albert go on no i uh, I'll, I'll save it for the hospital when we talk about the next episode. all right all right uh, uh, I just wanted to say one more thing. Shout out to Troy Baker, of course, who plays Buddy Boy, aka James. Uh, I was so sure. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Troy Baker, the guy who gets butcher knifed in the neck, he plays Joel in the video games. Um, but I was so sure he was going to play David, and I'm so glad he didn't play David because that's uh, that's not something you want on your resume for as big of a voice actor as you <laughs> oh, are. <God>. Yeah. <laughs> He he would have oh. been on Mike Mike's a uh, uh, background. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I want to. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go on. Oh, are we, are we? If we're about to move on to the next one, the next episode, I want to just shout out to Bella Ramsey again. I've been a little hard on her for not being the same Ellie, but she's she's killed it all the way to this point and um, the very end. Yep. When when she finally gets the better of david like there's such an emotional release that is uh, it like heightened the the rating of this episode in my head a few yeah. extra points because of that last moment where she just is like letting all of the trauma all of it out and she's just wailing on Dude, on what's yeah, left the of David's was face. Huge. Yeah, yeah, he, he's yeah. Uh, he's clearly dead, and she just keeps butchering him. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Albert. No, I was gonna say she's really good at sort of making Ellie like this badass, you know, tough person. But there are moments in her performance where you could feel that she's very, very vulnerable. There are things that can still really really affect her deeply i think the first one uh, that i noticed in her performance was when uh when i think or sam died and 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 she lets out this yell and it's almost like a real yell yell fear i'm like oh oof, that that's quite an interesting performance yeah i think the ending makes up for some of the gripes that i had with the episode like the the baby girl line is what wrecked me in the game and I think they replicated it really well in the show. They, the only difference is obviously that happens in the game when they're still both in the burning building. But contextually, it makes more sense for her to kind of like leave on her own. But yeah, I, I mean, Bella Ramsey, like you guys said, this scene was so good. And she she killed it just like she killed David. Wait, is that scene, you know, where they're like the she throws the thing 
sets the building on fire. She's like crawling on the ground. Is that in the game? Yeah, that's um, the boss. That's like a boss fight. Basically. Yeah. The, the okay, that place felt is on fire. Exactly yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I was like, this is the level in a video game. But I thought it was like really, really well done. Whereas when that bloater came out in that other episode, I was like, oh, this is Sexy a video game. Bloater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? I was like, this is so obvious. But here, I think it was just like how it was played out was really nice. Mm. And I could put myself into the game like trying to navigate like that level and like you know kill people and stuff this was my least favorite level in the entire game and i i was stuck on this one for the oh, longest dude. time david killed me so many times dude <laughs> but it's like horrifying it's like a horrifying way to die in this level and so oh, I mean, yeah fl fleeing a pedophile is probably like the sc scariest thing <laughs> yeah. it's like worse than a bloater yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, especially now that the bloater is a sex icon. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't oh, that god. in one of our backgrounds? Why? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hannah, change it, please. I oh, should try no. for my for my faceless. Uh, I should try down as a wallpaper. I even down oh, yeah. it. Just didn't, yeah. it just didn't work, and that's like, do it, oh, Albert. Sort of, yeah. No, but that line at the end where joel says baby girl oh my freaking wrecked me yeah <laughs> yep, yep yeah all right oh i will say gosh. okay one one gripe that i had was uh in the very first episode when he puts sarah to bed he kisses her on the head but he doesn't say anything in the game he says good night baby girl uh, yeah. and, and that's the first time you hear him say it and then obviously when she dies he calls her baby girl again uh so i i was just like oh you needed to say kiss her goodnight and say baby not, don't say it in duress just like that's just what you call her you know but anyways minor gripe yeah, um, yeah minor gripe out of all the things i i was okay okay because he didn't say it in that opening scene i was scared that he wouldn't he wouldn't say it in this moment i thought oh, he was just, no there was no oh, way dude there was yeah. no way they're gonna cut that out dude yeah yeah well hey you, you know, never man, know you never know he, yeah, he did. They they cut out all this freaking murder and massacre. <laughs> yeah, you don't get to you don't. You, they don't kill nearly as many people, so you never know. They, they might move <laughs> yeah. that element. We don't have time for baby girl. Let's move yeah. on. I mean, they didn't have time for baby girl in the opening scene. <laughs> they had to cut those the two seconds when. Yeah, you know? that's great. Uh, two all seconds. Right, let's move on. Time. Let's move on to the last episode. Look for the light. Joel and Ellie reach the fireflies, and ooh. We got to talk about this opening scene, man. Oh, oh heck yeah. Right. Oh, yes. This woman, a pregnant woman, is being chased by an infected and gives birth to a baby. And we find out this woman's name is Anna and the baby's name is Ellie. And uh, the moment you see her, it's Ashley Johnson who plays Ellie in the game. And the moment she spoke her first lines, I just gasped. I'm like, it's just so amazing to hear the original voice of Ellie. And Paul, you know, you said in our previous Last of Us episode that you were thinking about the character of Ellie and then you were picturing Bella Ramsey in your mind. I think even now, even at the end of the show, by the last episode, I don't think I will ever not think about Ashley Johnson as Ellie. And I, as much as I, I do love and appreciate this adaptation of The Last of Us, I love what pedro and bella bring to these roles these characters it's a dream come true to have this world and everything brought to life but you know in the end it's still an adaptation and i think it just confirms to me that 
game Ellie, Ashley Johnson is forever Ellie to me. And I think the moment she spoke her first lines, I was like, oh, it, it just brought back everything from the game. And I thought it was just perfect casting to to make her Anna, Ellie's mother. This is a character that, Hannah, so this is a character that we, it's only alluded to in minor details in the game. And like a note that you pick up that you find yeah. out that Ellie's mom's name is Anna. Uh, so we never get to see her until now. And this is where the, the show is such a good complement to the game. And now we have an expansion of who this character was. Uh, I don't know. So I, first question to, to, to you guys, do, do you, uh, well, well for, for Paul, do you still feel the same way now that the show has reached its final episode that uh, you still think of Bella Ramsey as Ellie or did this change anything? Hearing Ashley Johnson speak uh uh, in this show oh yeah i mean i obviously like when i think of ellie it's not just bella ramsey but it's just you know because we've been watching the show it's been with us for the past you know nine weeks it's it's impossible for me to only think about like just one of the characters you know um ellie to me also will always forever be ashley johnson first but i think because Pe bella ramsey has proven herself to be more than capable of embodying the spirit of Ellie, it's easy for me to pic picture both of them. Um, and I think seeing, you know, hearing her voice, hearing her do all the grunts and stuff, it's like, it's like the multiverse is opening up because it's like, oh shoot, there's two Ellie's in the show right now, uh, which just makes it so perfect that she is the mother. And another thing that people, many people have been saying about this so far is that Ashley Johnson looks a lot like Bella Ramsey. Uh, they got very similar facial characteristics. So I think it's perfect that they cast Bella Ramsey. Like, I'm sure that's not why they casted her, but uh, because she looks like Ashley. But I, I just think that that's a nice, uh, nice coincidence. Well, Ashley Johnson played Ellie, what, 10 years ago? Or did the voice... Yeah, like but, a long time ago, right? But she well, also she's... does the voice of Ellie in Last of Us Two, which came out in 2020. So, oh, I see. So yeah. a few years ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah so, it, it was so trippy because. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, Paul, but I had no idea she was the voice actor for Ellie. So mm -hmm. yeah, like as soon as her the words came out of her mouth, I was like, oh my gosh! Like it was like almost jarring because I was like, she sounds like Ellie for some reason. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I was mm -hmm. like. This is crazy. And then I actually like Googled her and I realized mm. that she was the voice actor. Um, yeah, great, great casting choice to mm. do that. Honestly, it was genius. Okay. At what point did you realize, or those of you who played the game, at what point did you realize that this character was Anna and then she was pregnant with Ellie? So this is what Albert, I think Albert, or no, Job and I were talking about when we had like a, we were chatting with you last time, Mike. So I wish that they had hid, hidden this, but they were like, they released news and articles saying that Ashley Johnson plays Anna. And so for, yeah. for oh, those of us I who like, know, know who Anna is, we'd be like, I oh, like, I found out about that. I was like, I was like, oh shoot. Like, I wish I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't know that. So it was a surprise for me. Yeah. It was that's posted why I, on all the official yeah, like, yeah, social I, I media platforms too. Yeah. yeah. So, that's why I was like really close to telling you that last like last time we hung out. I was like, no, no, no. he has to. Oh, if he doesn't okay, know, okay. he doesn't know. I'm glad okay, you okay. you went in pure. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. It was. It was. I had goosebumps like when I realized like who she was, who this character was. I was like, oh, this is so brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, she she literally gave birth to. I mean, literally and figuratively, it's just like intense, like whatever they, they created yeah. here. And also just like the passing of the switchblade, like because that is also another thing that hmm. we didn't know where she got the switchblade from oh, in the goodness. game. So that was very another great detail. OK, and here is what I love the most about the sequence. There's so much I love about it, but I think that what I love the most is uh, she tells Marlene that she cut the cord before she got bit. And Ellie's life begins with a lie. And Marlene, you know, I don't, I don't know if she believes her or not, but um, I just love that. And because the episode, the entire show, the first game ends with a lie. And I, I think it's just, it's so complex, you know, uh, and there's so much to kind of unpack and, and think about when it, when it comes to that. Well, I mean, they would have been screwed, right? If they took Ellie and if, oh, actually she got bit after, she, you know, like she hadn't cut the cord yet. So. I mean, it would have been discovered right away, I think. I, I like in the game, they never explain how she's immune. And mm -hmm. so I, I think it kind of demystifies it in a way. I don't know if, if that's... Did you like the, uh, the way they uh, explain how she's immune? I think I was like, oh, but at the same time, a part of me is like, oh, I kind of like like not knowing. I like uh, it's yeah. just like random how Ellie is immune, but you know, she's a fungus. I, basically, I, I think I think like are all pregnant women going to start getting bit by infected and then sever the cord like in order to produce uh, immune babies? Like, so that, 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 that opens up <laughs> that opens up a lot more questions. Yeah. Um, what? Well, yeah, well, well, we'll maybe talk touch upon that more later. Uh, any more thoughts on this opening sequence? It's good. All right. So uh, Joel and Ellie make their way to the Fireflies. Beat for beat, exactly like the game. Joel now is doing all the talking. Ellie is the one who's quiet and reserved. And then we get to the giraffe scene, which kind of opens her up. And then we have, we have like a moment where Joel starts sharing about uh, his life. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here. Let's first talk about that giraffe scene. Man, that looks so fake and green screen. <laughs> like, I, I wish they actually went somewhere to a rooftop and just filmed it and then CGI the buildings in. But uh, apparently the giraffe was real and then everything else was fake. I'm like, uh, you know, in that sequence, like, because everything was fake, the giraffe looked fake. So uh, I don't know. I, uh, the final scene in this episode, they actually, I mean, it looks real. They shot it in the, with mountains in the backdrop. It was gorgeous, you know? Uh, I I kind of wish they just went to a rooftop and, and filmed it. Uh, the sky looked fake. The clouds looked fake. It was just looked like it was from the video game. I don't know. What did you guys think? Yeah, it's I mean, fake what? as Job's background right now. That fake blue sky <laughs> and the fake <laughs> the giraffe over there. I mean, it's like I don't know, and you can't get a real giraffe. I don't know. So, no, that well, that's no, the it thing. Is a real they giraffe. did get a real it's a, giraffe. It's a oh, real was it? Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, real yeah. giraffe. Well, I guess I got fooled. Is, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's a real giraffe, but everything else is blue screen. Yeah, no, I, I, you're, you're not the only one, Albert. I, I thought that the giraffe was fake too. I was like, I was like, you know what? 
they did their best with that giraffe. It was, it was honestly they did their best. And then, <laughs> and then I saw the behind the scenes episode, and I was like, that was a real giraffe. Wow. Um, I thought so, it was CGI for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, really no, good I, CGI. I, I thought it was fake also. Yeah. So I'm like, why go through the trouble of getting a real draft when everything else looks fake? Because like our eyes are just going to think everything is fake except for the actors. Right, so yeah, go, that's go when Mike, I texted you and I was like, this is like Jurassic Park. You know, like it was like, <laughs> very, like I'm like, play the theme music. It's like the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say uh, it It does remind me a lot of Jurassic Park uh, story wise. It's like um, there's the wonder to um, seeing things that are bigger than than we are and are alive and it's this moment that turns ellie around in and her her whole complexion and her whole demeanor um so it's such a key moment um just like in the game and i really appreciated that i even i liked that they um were feeding the giraffe too just like yeah alan grant, alan grant in jurassic park yep this this show does a lot of things where it's i have a gripe with it and then something happens and i'm like i immediately forgive you and yeah. that's the scene when Ellie is yeah. feeding the giraffe and she's like giggling and you don't yeah. after like seeing her be like so passive for the whole episode and you see her like laughing like kids should laugh. I was like, all right, show you got me. <laughs> I'm Good, okay job, show. <laughs> yeah. Good job with your CGI giraffe. <laughs> that's actually real. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, and then so after the scene. Joel actually shares a story about uh, how he got that scar and the guy who shot him was actually himself. He tried to take his own life uh, because after Sarah died, he just lost his purpose. And I, I love that. I love that the fact that he couldn't do it. And then Ellie, Ellie tells him that she's glad that, you know, it, it didn't work out. And um, that, that's just kind of like, I like they talk about it in the podcast. These characters don't say, the words i love you or i care about you they say it in all these other ways and he tells her he loves her it's like hey tell me some puns you know so um yeah i, I just love the writing uh, of these characters and um and the whole point of the show i mean the whole point of that bill and frank episode and sam and henry all these people that they encounter is all about protectors and the protected and when joel loses his daughter I think about my own children, you know, you lose your kids, you kind of feel purposeless now, you know, your whole life is kind of centered around them. And so uh, I, I love that he kind of, and maybe this is a little bit too much, but he tells, she says, oh, time heals all. But then he says to her, it wasn't, no, it's not time that healed everything. And he just kind of looks at her. I, I thought it was a little, I think that kind of crossed the line for me. I thought it was perfect. Cheesy. Up, yeah, it was Cheesy. perfect. It was perfect up until that point and i'm like oh you, yeah. you didn't have to say that come on yeah i preferred tommy or like baby girl over those yeah. over that line i was like oh my gosh like that was a little bit cringy for me too so i'm right there with you oh. Mike. I, don't know why. Um, I i agree it's cringy but i think i think it's on purpose um i think that it's to show just like that they're so emotionally stunted like that them trying to acknowledge their feelings comes across really awkward and weird. Uh, and I feel like that's by design. I, maybe it, maybe it is, and maybe it's just poor writing, but I, I, I almost felt like it was like, it gave me like teenager vibes, you know, like teenagers who like each other very clearly, but just can't 
bring themselves to say it. And uh, it's just awkward and they it comes out a lot cheesier than it did in their mind or something. Um, I just think it was a great character moment. But but it could have been not on purpose. I, I, I'd like to think it was. <laughs> I, I want to see like, where uh, Albert lands on this because I actually really like that scene. Oh, <laughs> I want to know. Oh, know the only one. You it really not... liked it? Yeah. It didn't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that whole scene was actually kind of shocking when I think any sort of dialogue that had something to do with someone talking about how they almost uh, tried to end their life mm. uh, was, you know, I think the impact of how that whole story was delivered was, was uh, you know, it was nice to sort of see that how he finally was able to get over that and i think for me it put more weight into how he's gonna how he thinks so i i was fine with it nice okay just wanted to make sure if i was gonna get mobbed on this one but uh yeah i mean it's it's funny seeing your guys opinions about that or hearing your guys opinions because i was like reading reddit and stuff about people's comments about it and like all of them were like did that the it wasn't time that did it line like destroyed them and I was like, I mean, I don't think it like had that much of an impact on me, but I was like, like the moment he said it, I was like, you better not say anymore because you got, you got to end it here. And it's, I, I think I, it's really good if you end it right there. And I just think about um, the equivalent of the emotional payoff in the game. And essentially what happens Hannah in the game is that when you, when you meet Maria for the first time and you go to the camp, Tommy has a picture of Sarah and Joel together. And it's like her holding like her soccer trophy or whatever. And he offers to give it to Joel and Joel sees it. And he's like, he doesn't want to have anything to do with that past. It's too painful. So he turns down the photo. But when you get to that scene after the draft scene in the game, you find out that Ellie actually, or I, I think Ellie kind of takes the the photo. Like you, you see she, it. She, yeah. She, she steals it. Like how she stole the rabbit from the, the old. People. Yeah. Yeah. She steals the photo and then sh this is the time when she gives it to Joel and Joel accepts it this time. He's like, I guess you can't run away from the past. And then they Why didn't they do that in the show? Yeah. I, I oh was my like, God. I was like, I was like, do not skip that. We need to see Sarah again in that picture. And then they skip it. And I'm like, what the dialogue does not make up does not is not better than the picture scene, you know. So I, I yeah. wanted that picture when they're talking about the QZ and what happened after immediately after the the outbreak i was like okay here we go picture scene picture scene and he does that thing about <laughs> trying to kill himself i'm like okay and then yeah when they move on i'm like dude ellie just freaking put your hand in your in your backpack and take that freaking photo out and, and it never happens and oh. oh my gosh what a great so, why did they decide to take that out so i guess this is where we disagree because i think that what they have in the show is as good as that scene in the game i think Joel talking about how he wanted to end his life and like how he just like didn't have any hope. I I felt like it was a great character moment and like it's it's one of those things where it's like both are really good to me, but clearly you guys just were not we're not vibing with this one. <laughs> yeah, hot take. I liked it. But... I liked it. <laughs> okay. All right. All I right. Put it, I put it next to. Um... Pedro Pascal's performance in a Wonder Woman 1984. I was like, oh mm, really, really right. dumb. I, 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 I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> Jeez. It was pretty bad to me because I think I have really high standards for him now. That it was almost like, what the? Because 
up until that point, I had to like literally like tears just appeared. Like when he would say things, you know? So like at that moment when it didn't happen, I was like, whoa, that must have been really bad. Dude, that was a certified daddy moment for me. Oh man, that picture though, that yeah, I feel like that was that they should have definitely included you, that in there. You really should go back, Hannah. You should really go back and on on YouTube, and I, I'm I would be curious to see your reactions uh, to all the cutscenes and, and story beats and stuff. No, no, Hannah, Hannah, you should tell tell your husband to to buy a PS5 and play the last one. You got to <laughs> play it. And my sister has the game. Oh she yeah, has both. Yeah, 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 she's yeah, been playing yeah, yeah. it again. Okay, okay. There we go. Yeah, you got to play it. You got to play it. Okay, so let's uh let's move on to uh the hospital scene. All right. And I kind of want to li- let our newbie uh take the floor on this one. Okay? So Joel finds out that in order to make a cure, Ellie has to die. So, Joel goes goes on a rampage and murders all the fireflies including Marlene. He then takes Ellie and then lies to her about what happened. Secrets out of the bag. All right, let's hear from you, Hannah. What what did you think about this? Um, again, being like a TV junkie and a little bit more familiar with Hollywood, I was like, there's only like two ways this thing can end. So what I predicted was kind of similar to what happened. Um but not to the extent of like, I, I didn't think he was going to kill like everybody and like take her from, like, I didn't think about any of that, but as a video game, I think that totally makes sense. Cause I feel like that's like a level that you're like playing. Right. And like trying to get Ellie and like get out. Um, I don't know. I still have mixed feelings about just how the whole thing played out. And I don't know if it's because of how they like, film the scenes or like whatnot but it wasn't as crazy as i thought it would be i think i don't know and again i have nothing to compare it to though right because i didn't play the game so a thought that i had was like maybe it's very similar to how the game was but with looking at your guys face expressions i feel like it's not i feel like the game might have been crazier um more violent so so, uh, so I, I i will say this like the whole show is kind of like uh, other sh- other stories that we've seen in movies and other sh- you know other shows uh, like Children of Men. I think of that right where you have someone who's kind of messianic, uh, like a savior for mankind in this po- post-apocalyptic world, and then they're the last hope. And their goal is the main character's goal is to basically escort that person to whatever. Uh, you know, beacon of lights that there is uh, in this dark place uh, that they're trying to kind of restore order back to the world. Um, and the hero always makes the right choice. The hero always delivers that person. But I think what makes The Last of Us so special and so unique and why it resonates with so many people is that you have these people grow so attached to each other and they love each other so much like an actual parent and child and it just subverts all that right now she has to die and then because of the loss that he experiences like no he can't i'm not gonna let this happen again to me and he does he makes the wrong moral choice where he like matt he completely 
commits genocide, you know, freaking destroys all the fireflies and kills their leader. And then he lies to, to Ellie to cover it up. And um, so I, I just think, I, I think the whole game when you're playing and trying to survive as these characters in it, in the show, you're, you're watching it, you know, uh, you, you think that's how it's going to end. You know, you think he's going to make the right choice and either give his life for her or she's going to give her life to save humanity. But the show just ends with them both alive and everyone else dead. And that's just, it's like, you know, you, there's no story that ends this way. You know, that's, it, it's so complicated. You know, you don't know how you feel because he makes the wrong choice, but it's a hap, kind of like a happy ending for him. He got a, he got a daughter, his daughter back. A friend of mine had brought up a very interesting point. He was a huge fan of the game as well, still is. Uh, and he said that when he played the game, the first time he he didn't understand at all how Joel could do something that mon monstrous, whatever his reasons are. But now that he has daughters, he totally understands how Joel could do something like that, right? So at that point, it's, it's that 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 line really blurs between what you think is right and wrong. I mean, how would anyone be in that situation? Yeah, even even my wife, you know, I asked her like, "Do you think you could do? Do you think you can give up your kids?" to save the world she's and she even she's like i would hope in that situation i could make that choice but i don't know and that's like crazy because it's coming from like my wife who's a mom you know and and she's like a, a saint an angel and so for her to even question that it's like yeah like when those parental instincts the protector instincts as a parent it really just comes out um yeah anyways it, that's what makes it so compelling yeah, I mean, I think that I'm so I'm trying to like walk back through my thought process, like, you know, for the end of that episode. And I mean, I think number one, it didn't really help that I was already thinking about like how it could potentially play out. So I feel like maybe if I hadn't really thought about it, then maybe it would have been a little bit more shocking. Do you mean play out like in Last of Us 2 or the rest of the story in Last of Us? Yeah, 1? because I already know, I already knew from the beginning that The Last of Us 2 existed. So maybe if I hadn't known I that there was a second game, you know, like it, my thoughts around how the first show, I mean, the yeah, the first season ends might have been different. You know what I mean? Like there could have been probably more possibilities, but I already knew that the second one existed. Like nothing like crazy, like it, it just kind of like continues on to this, to the second, second game or whatever. So those are already things I knew. So I think the setup wasn't great for me, but also i think my thoughts were that why would joel want to sacrifice ellie for all of these people that they encountered along the way that were like really crappy <laughs> you know what i mean like they just came from a town where there was like a freaking pedophile you know leading like a cult and i was like he has no buy-in at all yeah. So yeah, yeah for right. me, I was like, the expectation is going to be that he's going to try to save Ellie, which is why I had even considered that being the end of this season. Yeah, right. because it, it, like the show is being very obvious about like, this is what happens to people, you know, when they're under duress or like, you know, like crazy situation happens, like you live in a post-apocalyptic world. So for me, I was like, yeah, that like, it wouldn't make any sense for him to be like, okay, like Ellie can die so she can be the cure for like humanity. Like I was like, that just doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, I, I don't, something in this world that they've crafted is I'm not even sure if a, you know, is the vaccine something going to make any, everything better that much? <laughs> That's, that is a thought that crossed my mind. But I wanted to go back and talk about the Rampage because I thought it was actually kind of a little freakier in, in this version because in the video game, you're just kind of blindly shooting. But in this one, you see him being very methodical about how he kills everyone. Like, he's really clearly thought this through. This isn't... You know, this isn't just a guy going wild. He's, he's being very, very calculated in how he does this. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I okay. So yeah, I, I'm glad you brought it back to the the hospital scene where he's killing everybody. I, I thought there were some great moments, like him killing the firefly, even though uh, he surrendered. He just still kills him anyway, and then he shoots a shoulder. Uh, he shoots a soldier, but then he has this look on his face takes out a knife and just stabs him and, and makes sure he makes sure that that guy is dead. Um, and it kind of shows that he enjoys it just like the, the torture scene, the map interrogation scene, right? He kind of enjoys uh, the violence. Um, I did not like how they presented this as a more of a montage with music playing over it. I wish it was an action scene that was just happening in real time that he's just going Rambo on everybody. He it's like a, a legitimate action scene. And this could have been a 10 minute long action scene and we would not have found it boring. Like it, it, it could be really suspenseful and exciting. I just feel like the show constantly, and this is where I, I, I feel like the biggest downfall of the show is that it just shies away from the action. They keep assuming that audiences are, are going to get bored of watching, you know, scenes that kind of resemble the game, but I don't think that's always the case. You can make compelling action scenes. Like I, I wanted I blatantly said out loud in our group chat, like, dude, I want him to go John Wick on these guys. And it was just presented as like a montage with sad music playing over it. Um, I don't think it's terrible, but uh, I just wanted more from it. And it's, you know, it kind of felt like they're just rushing towards the end. Um, so I don't know. How did, how did Job and uh, uh, Paul, what did you guys think, think about that? pointing at each other yeah <laughs> um yeah i i kind of I, I forget which one of you guys said uh, that it felt creepier watching it this time i felt like i felt that same thing um it's just different vibes in in the game the there's like an alarm um blaring throughout the, your whole rampage right like and there's this like chaos to it um that is very game-like but it also kind of creates a different feel. It's almost like he's just reacting. He's just going off of instinct. But here, yeah, it's like he, he made a predetermined decision. Um, and actually in the game, actually, Mike, you, you, you were watching me play this for the first time. And you were like, oh, like there's some people you don't have to kill or something like that in the game. But you can if you want to. Um, do you, so there's like decisions but you're also just reacting um here it's not that it's a joel has made a decision and it's very clear he's on a he's a he has a purpose for this and i'm not too sure like which one resonates more um and and maybe this is just a function of knowing what's about to happen i didn't feel any suspense or tension really um, um watching it it was kind of cool, like in seeing it in slow motion. It was a different feel, and and yes, like the the sad 
um, version of the this show's theme or the the game's theme gives it some emotional weight, like some inevitability to it almost. Um, but I I. I, I just feel like maybe because I didn't know, I already knew what was going to happen. It it just didn't impact as much. And I feel like because of the finale so short, it did feel like we rushed through that whole thing. It just kind of was like, oh, he's he's killed everybody. And mm-hmm. it was it was like over the span of like a minute or two. So I agree. It's like shying away from the action kind of actually detracted. I, I would imagine they, they did that to service the story, but it actually takes away from the story, which is interesting. Yeah. I, it's, it's very difficult for me to, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going through the thoughts in my head and it's hard to, like, put it coherently into words, so apologies if I ramble. But I, I think in the context of this show, violence has always been more of a reactive thing than a proactive thing. So in the sense that, like, I, I'm kind of right there with you where it's like, I, I wanted more like John Wicking, right? The, the the first thought that I had when that montage was happening was like, man, this would have been sick if like, it was like a one shot take, you know, you just see him going through the floor or like through the, the levels of the hospital and just like blowing dudes heads off and stuff. But it also just made me realize that like creator's intent, right? Neil Druckmann and Craig Mason, I don't think they, at, at any point in the show, did they want us to cheer for violence? I don't think they wanted us to be like, yeah, Joel, kill him, you know, as much as it would have been thrilling to watch. I think that's something that they clearly steered like away from. Um, and so, you know, my, my favorite part in that whole section in the game is when um, Joel is carrying Ellie, you know, he, he lifts her up from the, the operating table and he's running. And then that's the music that plays. The music that plays during that sequence is when in the show, he's killing all these people. So I think the purpose of swapping those scenes and using the same piece of music is to kind of like imbue that same feeling. Like you're not supposed to feel like cathartic as he's killing them. Like you're supposed to feel like sad, like, oh, this is what Joel is becoming. This is what he has to be to save the person that he loves. So I think in that sense, like I get why they did it the way they did. And overall, I mean, I'm kind of with you guys where it's like, we've played through the game. We've experienced it for the first time through the eyes of the game. So like we, that can never be replicated. Like no matter how good something is, it's just, you know, the first time you experience something, it's always like, that's the way that you, you'll remember it. Right. And in this, in this sense, like imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Right. If, if they had changed any part of this, I think that's when you would be like, we would have been like, dude, like you guys messed up, you know, like, the, the very s- scene at the end, like when it cuts off after she says, okay, like I think there are some parts where it's like, you just got to keep it the same way it is, you know? And for people who have never s- experienced the game, like that's how they experience it for the first time. So I think in that sense, like it's one of those things where it's like, I can never truly love it as much as I did the first time when I played through the game, but I can just be like the proud parent who's seeing their kid at like score a home run at the baseball game. Right. It's just like, you did it, you know, like it'll, I'm, I'm proud of what the show has done. Um, and I think just to, to kind of like talk about my biggest complaint with the show, which is the lack of infected, because all of the stuff that Mike, you were kind of, you had gripes about, like, you know, don't be afraid to shy away from the action scenes. I feel like that's how you can service the infected because it's like, 
it's much easier for us to be like, yeah, kill the infected. Cause we're not going to be like, no clickers have rights too, or whatever, you know, like they, they are kind of like a vehicle for us to just be like, yeah, just kill them, you know? And especially the part that I had the biggest hang up on was the fact that they introduced very cool concepts. The concept that it's a network, it's a hive network. And, and like, they never bring that up again, you know? And we've already, I mean, I've already seen articles about how Craig and Neil were like, there's going to be way more infected in the, in the next season, there's going to be more action and stuff. But I really do feel like they could have added the section where you have to sneak past the multiple bloaters in that would have been in this episode before they enter the hospital, because like as much as games, like you don't want to just make it like the game where you're mindlessly killing. Right. But the relationship between Ellie and Joel is crucial in some of those situations because you see them go through this crazy stuff together. And it's like, you're surviving all of these bits, like running away from the bloaters, killing the bloaters, you know, doing all that stuff in the game. And it makes you feel like you've been through war together, but you don't get that impact in the show because they didn't fight any of them. So it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, I don't know that, that to me is the biggest complaint that I have where it's like, like, I get why you didn't want to do it, but I really wish you just had like two or three more like action scenes with infected. Yeah, I, I, Paul, you're you're absolutely right on that. And they introduced this great concept, and that's all we ever saw out of it in episode two. Like it was never expanded on or really fully utilized. So, and I think the the way you sort of talked about your feelings about the hospital scene was like, you know, it, it kind of made me think about like, you know, th- that whole scene. I think if I had to point out one thing that was nagging me about it, it was that it did feel like it was like, you know. 50% John Woo, like Mission Impossible 2, instead of like 100% John Woo, like hard-boiled, <laughs> you know, with that one take in the hospital. So, yeah, I, I, so I, I, I get that. Yeah, and I think the purpose of that is to highlight the fact that Joel, I think, Albert, you said this when we were, when, like many years ago when we were talking about the game, when it came out, like, Joel is not a good guy. You know, he's a yeah. bad and and this scene really highlights that he is a bad guy and then like the person you've been cheering for all this time that you've been loving uh along with ellie is actually a bad person and here he makes the wrong choice the wrong moral this moral decision the the selfish uh decision but it's in his eyes in his story it's it's right and we've walked miles in his shoes right and then so we empathize with him this bad this bad person. Um, I don't know, Hannah, if that was ever, if that was ever, uh, if it came off that way uh, for your, as you viewed the show. So if I'm understanding correctly, like in the game, you feel like Joel is a bad person because of all the things that he's done post Sarah or because of this decision specifically. Wait, he's, well, in both the he's a raider, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was a raider himself. Yeah. So all the things that he did, and like all the people he killed, and everything that happened in this like post-apocalyptic world. So we're supposed to like not like him because of that. Yeah, I, I think the the ending of the the first game was divisive for that matter. Like not only that he kills all those people, but that he also lies to Ellie. Uh, I think that was a bit more, it was a bit more ambiguous 
uh, in the game, like how people felt, and there, more people were divided on that. But I think the show makes it a little bit easier for people to be like, yeah, Joel did nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that, like, I don't, it's interesting that you guys say that about the game, because I don't, in the show, like, I didn't leave the show being thinking like, man, he's such a bad person. He's a liar. I, I, actually, I think I did text you, Mike, and I was like, Pedro Pascal is a liar. But it was more like, oh, sad for Ellie, he lied. You know, kind of thing. Like, it wasn't necessarily like, I hate this guy. Um, I think how you end up feeling after the, sh- the season is over is like, he had to do what he had to do. And you kind of like, accept that he did what he did because of everything that he's been through kind of like what you said Mike like we've walked in his shoes kind of thing and I think the other thing is like you never know who you're gonna be in like a post-apocalyptic world you know so there is that too so it's very interesting that that's what they tried to portray in the game specifically and that the ending was that divisive Oh, there was way more discourse over the game's ending. I think when when it first came out, they're like, "Oh, Joel's the wrong like did the wrong thing." Uh, but I remember one of the like I explicitly remember like after I finished the game, I was like, "Even if and you guys kind of touched up on this already, like even if Ellie is the cure, like this world is beyond saving to me. Like there's all these like their journey and like everything that they've experienced. It's like why would you want to save these people? You know, like." where in, in, in exchange, you could just have someone who is essentially your daughter now. Um, so for me, it was like, I had a clear conscience. I was like, yeah, let's freaking whoop on these people, you know? Uh, but th- it was definitely like a, there was more thorough discourse, I think, but the show kind of takes a side, <laughs> I, I think. Yeah, but yeah, every like, episode was like, oh, sorry, Albert, you go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Anna. I was just going to say, but if every episode was um, like a Bill and Frank episode, then yeah, maybe the world might have been worth saving you know <laughs> it was like they obviously didn't play it out that way on purpose right i think there are like pockets of, of goodness that you definitely see but it's it, it's not like it's almost like they exist but it, it's almost like humanity has to start over again you know, and see where it goes but like when when i i remember i'm starting to remember that conversation mike but when i made that comment about joel being a bad guy you know that wasn't necessarily to like condemn him he is a bad guy but he's the bad guy in the same sense that everybody else in this world is a bad guy everybody's surviving and that's kind of what the whole whole thing is and uh i think that's what makes the ending of of the game and and this show so fascinating I, I think one of the reasons why i thought the last of us the game was such a masterpiece was it was not afraid to dwell into these these moral gray areas about what it means to be alive or care for someone uh, and how does that weigh against you know the greater interests of of others so uh yeah i i think and i think this show really just the fact that it's still generating the same type of discussion 10 years later really goes to show you how powerful and almost perfect that story is yeah the ending reminded me a lot of uh the dark knight you know where uh batman and gordon decide to lie about what happened with harvey dent in order to preserve peace in gotham and it, it's a little bit similar here uh, you know where the the this this story also ends with uh, with a lie, uh, and 
yeah we'll we'll see where we'll have to see where where it goes um i think we've already kind of talked about things that we would like to see them do differently in season two right we've talked about pacing not shying away from the action um I want to hear Hannah your predictions. Uh, where do you think Last of Us Two is going to go? Just from your, you know, non-gamer background. Uh, obviously, you 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 told me over text that you do know something that one thing that happens in the next game. So we won't talk about that. But uh, yeah, where else do you think the overall story could go? I mean, you mentioned earlier there's like a religious sect in the second game, so I'm assuming that like they encounter other groups of people but yeah I don't know narrative wise like I'm not entirely sure like where it's gonna go um I don't even know if I could make any guesses like Mike specifically told me not to read anything online so I was trying to think up like where would I go if I was like the creator from The Last of Us 2 and like I honestly do not know because like if Ellie finds out that Joel lied, which I think at the end of season one, they're alluding to it, I think, that she feels like she's he's not telling her the entire truth. I think she's, like, not stupid. Um, so I feel like they kind of allude to that. And I think both of them, just they're too good of actors to, like, that not to have been intentional. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, so I was like, no, that had to have been, like, put in there intentionally. So if then that's the case, then yeah, I don't know. Like it takes a toll on their relationship. But then from then on, where does it go? Like I have I have no idea. Like, oh, and then you mentioned the the Easter egg, the girl in the in the previous episode. So maybe there's a relationship. I mean, there's like little things I could probably guess, but in terms of like the overarching like narrative, I have no idea. Fight more infected, obviously. You know, like, but it's like, how does it end? And then if they are working their way to like potentially making a third game, then like, where the heck is this going? I have no clue. You know, so I think it's, I think it's very interesting. Um, yeah. Well, well I, don't know. I, I do, I do want to tease you a little bit. Um, so basically, when The Last of Us 2 was announced, uh, Neil Druckmann was there at the announcement. It was a complete surprise. Actually, Paul Paul was there at the, it's like a PlayStation Experience convention or something. Yeah, I was at the Anaheim Convention Center. Yeah, and so uh, at the announcement, Neil Druckmann said that the core theme of the first game was about love, right? And they used gameplay, story, music, interactions, all these things to make the player feel that theme. And the second game, he said, was the counter, the opposite of that. The second game is about hate. And they use the very same things that make you feel love in the first game, but they make you feel hatred in the second game. And so I will tell you this about the second one. It, it's going to be very interesting how they try to translate that and adapt that to the screen. Because in the second game, you're playing as you play as Ellie. And uh, you feel the things that he want they want you to feel. And it's very visceral. Uh, so I don't know how they're going to translate and adapt that to like a, a medium where you're just passively watching. So it'll be very, uh, very interesting. But that's just, I feel like it's a nice little tease because we were teased in the same way. Uh, and we had to wait like many years uh, for The Last of Us 2. So I'll just leave you with that same uh, little tease. I think also just to 
throw another wrench in, into that. Uh, I, I specifically remember, like, I was standing there and, and listening to them talk about this game and talk about how it's about hate. But after the game came out, Neil Druckmann was like, I, actually, I, I originally said that the second game is about hate, but now I think it's about love. So he he retracted his words. Sure. Yeah. I, but I, can I, see I would that. so I would actually disagree with him because yeah. uh because uh it still is about hate. Yeah. That, that <laughs> yeah. but the hate stems from the love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. They're not always separate things, like mutually exclusive sure. things. Right, like, right. That's yeah. kind of what's the interesting thing yeah. about yeah. this. Um, so I, I just wanted to say that to to further mess with Hannah. So. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I like to. I like. I like what he said initially. So that's why I only tell that version of the story. <laughs> that's your canon. I yeah, I. I don't like what he when he retracted that. I'm like, no, man, come on. The game is. <laughs> the game is so. It's filled with so much hatred. <laughs> well, I think question for you guys. You know, because all of you guys have played like both games. Um, and I think like I remember when they announced that they were going to adapt the, uh, game into a show like. You guys are all excited and stuff. Um, but do you think you were more excited about season one than you are about season two, vice versa? Like, what are your thoughts about like what is potentially coming up? Well, I, I think I can speak for everyone here. I think we were all a bit nervous, and The Last of Us is like the crown mm. jewel video game storytelling. That's I right. mean, if they get screwed up, then there's no hope for video game adaptations ever again. I'm glad to say that this this wasn't case this time uh so now that we're over that hurdle i will personally say i'm more excited to see how they adapt season two i think that's going to be the more difficult uh season to uh to do i i have a theory that it will be split into two seasons though but that oh they already confirmed that oh didn't they yeah yeah okay okay all right yeah well there you go <laughs> yeah yeah and there's a very specific way they can split it uh it, it's like very clear uh the way the game is structured, like there's a very clear point where season yeah. two could end, and then a season three could pick off, a uh, pick up, the, yeah, in another part of the game. Yeah, and they could do it sort of like the Lord of the Rings movies or something like that, and just kind of split it in a way that makes more sense. I think. I okay, so I I very rarely toot my own horn. I think maybe I do a lot of horn tooting, but here. I feel like out of all of us, I think I was the most like season one is going to be awesome. Like after I watched Chernobyl, I mean, I I have the receipts in our thread to prove it, but I was like, this, this show is going to be awesome. Like Neil Druckmann is a part of it. Craig Mazin is amazing. Chernobyl is like one of the best miniseries. It is the best miniseries I've ever seen. So I was like, there's no way like they're going to mess this up. I, I, I personally feel like. So, but I, I am a little bit more of the opposite because I think now it's like, okay, they deserve their flowers. They deserve their praise. Uh, I, I am nervous for season two, not because I don't think they're going to do it well, but it's just like, dude, the second game is so divisive amongst fans. Like for me, it's like easily, you know, one of the best games I ever played uh, and one of the best stories ever, but I am very nervous for them. Like, I wouldn't say that they're not going to be like, it, it's not going to be good, but I'm like, I, I would hate to be them right now because it is such a monumental task to, I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're not going to appease everyone. Like people are going to hate it, especially uh, even like people who don't know what happens. 
and and they experience it for the first time, they're gonna hate it for sure. But well, and they do have one advantage; they've gone through it already. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I I definitely like I I very rarely had doubts about the first season. I'm sure like there were parts of me where I was like, you know, because everyone here has there's reason that you should doubt because most video game adaptations suck. Like I've seen every live action Resident Evil movie. Like those are all garbage, dude. Like, but I love watching those. Yeah. So I get it. Like I get why everyone was nervous. Um, But I think I I was just, I had too much faith in Neil and Craig. Um, But yeah, I, I am very nervous for the second season. So, so we'll see what happens, man. I think as someone that hasn't, played in like any of the games again sorry I keep restating this but um and I'd be curious how other people feel that have never played the game but I'm not 100% sure I'm gonna be back for season two I think <gasps> the f- yeah I mean oh, oh you know hot hot take here right yeah like oh, season, episode one of season two is gonna be like the indicator if I'm gonna come back like oh, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna continue okay, okay. on to the rest of the season one episode and then we'll see but to be honest like I felt like at the end of season one I wasn't like oh my gosh what's gonna happen in the next season I was actually I was actually fine leaving it the way that it is with how the narrative is and understanding that Joel did what he had to do Ellie probably knows what he did and then not really knowing or caring what happens after that to be honest because if you know, The Last of Us 2 has Ellie and like Ellie and Joel have like a rift or like a strange relationship because, you know, she figured out he lied or something that I'm like, I don't really know if I want to be there for that, you know, because like the core of season one was really because of the two of them. So unless they're able to bring other characters in that I would really care about for whatever reason like it would really have to be like really really they are they have to work really really hard for that i think and (laughs) i see paul um but yeah i don't know so like i've never really felt that way after like a first season of a show where this is supposed to be like a cliffhanger right like you know that there's going to be a second season and then no it's kind of a cliffhanger i i don't think so i think the first game was created without the expectation of a second one in mind and I think that's then, what makes the game go. so good. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2013, when it when the game ends, you're just like, wow, that's it, huh? That's how, yeah. that's how they're, that's how they're going to end the story. That's amazing. And uh, so, so I think I feel you, Hannah. Where you know you said like it doesn't need to be a second season. You know, where else can they go? And, and, and let me tell you, uh, they is so when going into the second game, I didn't know. Uh, I think most of us didn't know anything about it. And it, it becomes very clear what genre it is. It's a very specific genre that the uh, second game is. And it's it's like, okay, I'm on board. You're going to be on board for it. I, I, I tr- Just trust me. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's so funny because Hannah pretty much took the words right out of, my, out of my mouth when I was playing the game, which is a pivotal scene happens in near the beginning of the second game. And I was like, basically my reaction was like, there needs to be a good enough reason, a justification in this story for the reason why it's being told the way it is. 
And at that point, that's when part of you is just like, I just want to finish this game in one sitting right now. I just want to figure out what happens in the end because the story needs to be rewarding in the way that I want it to because it's it's just so crazy, you know? Uh, and I think at the end, I was like, yeah, it was worth it. <laughs> it was worth the way that it was told, but I don't want to reveal anything else, so. All right. Um, that brings us to the end of our discussion about The Last of Us Season 1, Episode 6 to 9. Thank you for listening to us and for joining us for this discussion and we'll see you next time on uh, this podcast where we talk about movies and shows we're not done yet no the supreme leader is wise i'm sure you are blow that piece of junk out of the sky